survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 26 and in this edition we add our fourth instalment to the profile series focusing on the motorcycle riding, freedom fighting Claire Redfield. My name is Cyniac, you can just call me Cyan. Joining me on the panel this week, he actually came here to find his brother Chris but we're 26 plus episodes in now and I just won't let him leave. It's fire button Steve Valance. Hello everybody. What's going on? I arrived on this podcast and the whole place has gone insane. Our special guest in this show, you may know her from her cosplay or passionate tweeting about Claire Redfield, it's Hope Havoc. Hello. This episode of the podcast was not recorded live, but the vast majority of our episodes are, so join our Discord to hear podcasts early and unedited, as well as engage with our community, contribute to the show and other upcoming projects, and be informed first of everything going on behind the scenes. You can find a link to the server in the description of the podcast, or on our social media accounts. You can also support the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month, with various tiers, each with their own perks. Check out patreon.com forward slash FASpraypod for a full list, and the chance to create bonus first aid spray content so uh, first things first let's do the housekeeping from our end of things um, we will introduce our panelist is shortly but another shout out for those of you who listened to the previous profile episode you'll have known that distant memories 1996 did some exclusive writings for us for this episode that we did with sherry and the same thing can be said for our claire episode so a special thank you to him for the very extended file readings in this episode uh, written by him and read by dabble lou uh, they are much longer than you're used to from listening to the podcast, but I promise they're worth it. So uh, yeah, look forward to those over the course of the episode. In terms of other content that we've put out since you last heard from us, our most recent YouTube output is the five worst final bosses in Resident Evil as voted by our Discord server. So that one was kind of fun. And we also just uploaded five redemption arcs in Resident Evil, which is a, yeah, they're both worth checking them out. We're still pumping out those editorials. So make sure you subscribe so you can see stuff like that. And the Last of Us bonus podcast, which is now out publicly as we move on to record episodes voted by our Patreons that include the Silent Hill films, which is going to be an interesting one, and Castlevania, which we're very excited about. So uh, let's get into the meat of it. Let's talk about Claire Redfield and let's talk about our Claire Redfield cosplaying panellist, Hope. Um, So I always like to ask our guests the big question. What was your first Resident Evil experience? Where did you jump on with the series and kind of what made you fall in love with the franchise? So my first game was Resident Evil Director's Cut. I was in between six and seven years old. My dad (laughs) rented it. Yeah. (laughs) My dad rented it from Blockbuster, which, bless Blockbuster's soul, I miss it. Um, And it was kind of love at first sight. Like, he was always into zombies and horror and stuff and got me into it at a young age. Resident Evil's my first recollection of, like, my experience with zombies and stuff, but I like was obsessed with it. We were both obsessed, obsessed with it. And uh, I don't know, like, I just loved it mm-hmm. immediately. Um, I used to have this closet in my old bedroom in my old house that we lived in. And every night I would like fall asleep staring at it because I was convinced that the keeper zombie was going to bust out of my closet. <laughs> so I just, I loved it. Um, I bonded with Jill right away. And then Resident Evil 2 came into my life and Claire stole my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like started at a young age. Director's Cut is still one of my favorite games. I think it's more than just nostalgia. Like I just, right. I really just love the atmosphere and the vibe and just everything about Resident Evil appeals to me in a big way. Awesome. 
we have a lot of people that go way back with the series, but I don't think anyone goes back to six or seven years old. That's really? <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, quite I'm impressive. Like, I'm really bad at math and like recollecting my years. So I always just keep it as I was in between six mm. and seven because I don't remember which one I was technically closer to. Fair but enough. I'm it's... glad. I'm glad the series has been with me for such a long time. Right. I've never lost any love for it. I've been completely obsessed with it since I was six or seven. Or seven. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when did the cosplaying start? Was was it? Did you start with Resident Evil cosplay or was that something that you developed onto? So what was your sort of history with cosplay? So... Resident Evil is technically my first serious cosplay. I did dress up as Pikachu prior to that. And then I don't know if you guys have heard of Salad Fingers. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, I cosplayed him too. <laughs> <laughs> I was him for Rusty Spoons. <laughs> and then uh, it was Pikachu for my first uh, Otakon. But, I mean, I didn't really take them very seriously. Like, mm. Pikachu, I had the ears and the tail. I put on some red cheeks. I had a yellow dress. Like, it was cute, but it wasn't, like, Claire I put my whole heart and soul into. Um, and I actually cosplayed her for the first time when I was 19. So it was, like, exciting to cosplay her at the year that she made her debut in the series. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Um, yeah. Is it so? Uh, is there particular Claire costumes, or are you just kind of running through the gambit now? Have you, which ones have you done? Which ones are you looking to do? I mostly do Co Veronica. That's the yeah. one I started with. That's the one I wear most frequently. Um, I did the original Resident Evil 2 outfit, which I really love that one. That was my first one that I made completely from scratch. The Code Veronica one. Um, <clears throat> I bought a lot of the materials, like the vest I bought and I had to pay to have it professionally altered because I didn't yeah. want to mess anything up. It was like real leather. It was too hard to manipulate that material with the sewing machine that I had. Um, and then the bat was a stencil design, whereas with the Resident Evil 2 costume, I hand drew the logo on the back and painted it instead of using a stencil that time. Um, and it was my first time, like building the clothing from scratch from fabric that I got from a store and it was really hard especially the shorts were like a nightmare to work with but it was a lot of fun and it's like kind of extra satisfying when you do it from scratch like yeah. it was cool it was just a huge headache at the same time um I have done her degeneration costume but I've only worn that once and it does not fit me at all anymore I need to completely remake it or like, I don't even know if I could take the whole thing in. Like, I've lost so much weight since that point in my life. Mm. Um, and I have parts to do her Resident Evil 2 costume from Dark Side Chronicles, but I have not finished it yet. I'm, like, really slacking on the cosplays I want to make, but I eventually would like to do all of them. One of my favorites I really am looking forward to doing one day is the uh, alternate biker costume from Dark Side Chronicles where oh, yeah. she's wearing the black and the white and she has a fairy on the back of the jacket mm. yeah that's one of my favorite costumes of hers so i really want to do that my next one will probably be remake claire um and i would like to touch up on the original resident evil 2 costume that i made but at this point like i've got parts to do the dark side one and then i'm also like really excited to do her quote-unquote classic costume from remake which I, that's probably my favorite interpretation of that outfit I, don't, I like them all but i really love how that one came out 
That's cool. Sounds like you're juggling a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's interesting for people that are outside of the world of cosplay. They always see how much love uh, people put into it. So to actually hear how much of a commitment it is, that's why you see these people who are so uh, in deep in the trenches in it. Because, yeah, it's a lot of effort to put these together, um, either yourself or to pay exuberant amount of money or a bit of both. You know, it's, yeah, yeah it's a lot of work. Yeah, I, I definitely, I don't know how so many people just do it so effortlessly mm -hmm. because it is, it's a lot of time and a lot of money and some people are like really, really great with it and they're just constantly putting them out. I'm just like, how do you do that? I'm so <laughs> jealous. It's, it's definitely fun. It really mm -hmm. is. Like you have to have a passion for it or else you're not going to be able to keep up with it all. But it is a headache, whether you're doing it yourself or paying somebody else to do it. Um, a lot of love and hate goes into the process. Right. Yeah. Love and hate. <laughs> All the best things. <laughs> getting uh, lots of sleepless nights in front of sewing machines. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, with all that out of the way, let's move into a rather jam-packed edition of the Biohazard News. So our first piece of news, the original Jill Valentine live-action actress, Inez, may have been found. What do you think of that, then? That is so exciting. I really loved her in Director's Cut. Yeah, it's, uh, it has been a long time coming, hasn't it? Uh, apparently, it's uh, just her and the actor that played uh, Joseph, I think, that haven't sort of been sought out. Um, oh, that's cool too. I didn't hear that part. I yeah. knew that they found her. I, I don't think that's he's awesome. been found. I think he is now oh. the remaining actor uh, that hasn't been uh, identified, if you like. Um, so hopefully, it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. Apparently, there's an interview in the works with the uh, Resident Evil database. So that's pretty cool. Um, this is the live action actress and not the voice actress, right? They are. Right. I mean, yeah. I don't. They might be the same person. I don't know. I believe um, there's separate people, but it might be the rare case that she did both. I think it's it's separate. I think all the live action stuff was very last minute, wasn't it? So yeah, I think so. Kind of grabs like, who they had. So I, I kind of like I'm excited, but I, I, we all know how Resi fans can be. Uh, <laughs> and I, I get the feeling that from from the second that she's had this interview, there's gonna be like people knocking her door, going, "Sign my T-shirt," or you know, <laughs> uh, "Look at this figurine based on you," and like <gasps> overwhelm them. Yeah, sure. Uh, so. If, if I can just add my voice to the mix, just like everybody, take it calm. This lady has like literally just been like unleashed upon everybody. So mm -hmm. she doesn't know, doesn't probably know much about the franchise. I mean, if she was, she would probably spoken up sooner, let's be fair. Yeah. Um, so let's all play it cool and like, you know, get to know her first before we bombard her inbox with loads and loads of fan messages. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> just a job to her from like 24 years ago. So don't expect, you know. And as again, 24 years ago, who knows what she'll remember about it. It was a long time ago, for just, right. like, just a random night in some field in Japan where they filmed it. Um, but it's, I it's can't cool, wait. Yeah. can't wait for this interview, because if it is a case of Resident Evil, all those live action films, if that's the response, oh my God. <laughs> you know, I mean, to be fair, uh, it would make sense. It's like, oh yeah, we would, you know, the movies, right? <laughs> mm. Yeah. So our next piece of news... Resident Evil Resistance has a new update, which is bringing both free skins and paid survivor skins, as well as remixed maps. Uh, these paid skins are basically Jill, uh, Jill uh, Leon and Claire's outfit from Resident Evil 2 Remake. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the new outfits themselves, I think you've got like a Lucha Libre motif and then a Mad Max vibe. Yes, that right? like, a, like a post-apocalyptic. Mad, Mad Max is definitely the way to put it, um, <laughs> with all the characters in various deserty kind of garb. Uh, and yeah, the mm-hmm. Lucha one, um, and speaking as a wrestling fan, some cool references in there, I have to say that. I'm a, a typical of the Resistance guys to squeeze in some some references and stuff. There's probably references in the post-apocalyptic one that I didn't see, but that 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 sums it up that they're just like, hey, here's some cool nods to stuff. Uh, and again, as always, more free stuff in Resistance. You... Yeah, you can't complain. Yeah, the only paid DLC is literally Leon and Claire's outfits. Mm-hmm. These uh, okay. remixed maps, the, the skins, they're all free. Right, yeah. Like, I know... they're, they're like a few pounds as well. You can buy them. You can just buy the Leon ones. You can just buy the Claire ones, or you can buy them both together. Um, I was playing with some of the guys off the server the other day, and it, <laughs> it came up, and I was like, I wonder if the Claire pack is slightly more expensive because there's four characters that can use it as opposed to three in the male one. Uh, but no, it's, it's a pretty flat fee. And totally optional. And yeah, the, the maps, like you say, have you had a chance to play on these yet at all? I have. I Honestly, it's like, it's just one of those things we have to get used to. I like how they have remixed them, but it basically mm. means that I now need to have the map up on screen the entire time I play. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, otherwise I'm getting lost, because obviously things looks, you know, things that look familiar but aren't, and therefore playing with you, which means the masterminds get yet another buff. Just, just saying. I'm not yeah. salty. You're yeah. salty. But... <laughs> Uh, uh, have you played Resistance at all, Hope? Or is this uh, something that's kind of... I have dabbled with it a little bit. I am a person who appreciates easy mode when it's offered to me in games, so I kind of <laughs> suck at Resistance. I, um, I've um, i only played with a couple of my friends, and I feel bad like even playing with them because I feel like I'm so terrible at it and they're so good at it. Uh, but I, I have enjoyed what I have played of it. It's just... I don't play it that often because I'm always like, oh my God, I'm terrible at this. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are really mean. Not my friends, <laughs> of course, but like I see people popping off about it on Twitter. I'm just like, oh my God, that would be me. I would be <laughs> that person that you're bitching about. Um, yeah. But, uh, I, I have I do... the same feeling because I went back after um, a couple of months, basically, of not playing it with some of the guys last night. And I was so out of the loop. I was just dead weight, but... It's I do okay. really like the concept, and I think it's fun. I love the characters. Um, I wasn't stoked on the Claire and Leon DLC, just because I would rather have Claire and Leon themselves right. as characters. Uh, I guess that's really like picky, but I always really liked, and I complained about this a lot to my friends, Like I always really liked how Claire had a very unique style in Resident Evil. It set her apart from other characters. And over the years, I kind of felt like they started giving a little bit of her like personality and her wardrobe and stuff away to other characters. That might just be me like thinking too much or feeling some kind of way about it. But Mm. uh, just for me to have that complaint and to complain about that pretty often to my friends and to see them turn around and go, now all the characters can dress like Claire. I'm just like, are we serious? Are we serious? Like, Claire's always been so unique in her outfits. Like, stop. I was just so upset. I don't want to see Jill running around in Claire's outfit. Like, as good as she looks in the Noir mods, that makes me upset too. I'm like, that's Claire's outfit. <laughs> uh, See, that's the thing. That's the thing. I think I, I still think this doesn't write off Leon and Claire as potential characters in the future. I feel like they could just use different costumes for them. Um, yeah, I suppose that's true. Actually, I was worried that maybe this means that they're not going to come at some point, and who knows? But 
I guess that's true. And there's, there's always skills you could cook up and make up, Absolutely. isn't it? You know, Leon summons a, a really bad laser sight, so he can always hit things. <laughs> and Claire gets the grenade launcher that kicks everyone's ass. Yeah, you know, it's, it's something like that. Yeah, or a bowgun just for you, Sai. Yeah, exactly. Right, give me that bowgun back. Um, <laughs> in terms of the new maps, though, we're just sort of praising a little bit the guys behind Resistance. Um, when I heard remixed maps, I think I tried to downplay because everyone said, "Oh, you know, Uptown is one of them. Is that going to be the area from RE3?" And it was a really exciting concept, but I kind of figured it's probably not going to be, and it, and it isn't. But I tell you what, it, they've done more with it than I thought. You know, I thought, "Oh, it's going to be like a mirrored version," and that's even how someone pitched it to me when they were out. It's oh, they're kind of like mirrored maps. They're really, really not. They are. They're just really just using assets from maps they already have in completely new ways. Uh, the, the the uptown one itself is totally different um, to downtown, and the bemusement park one again is it, pretty different. It will send you through the loop at least that much. But yeah, this is way more than than I expected. With continual free updates, obviously the status of everything in the world. That at some point they were probably working from home if they're not still doing that. Um, yeah, it, good on them for still pumping out quality content. That, that's all, that's all I'll say from there. I'm going to say, as a person who's keen to go green, I'm down for recycling if it works. You know? <laughs> um, so our last piece of news then. Uh, kind of a big one. Resident Evil's worldwide sales for the entire series, is this? Uh, mm. Have surpassed 100 million units. Indeed. Woohoo. That's, that's a big number. It is a big that's number. A big, that's not a small number, so that's, that's, that's a lot of games. There's a lot of zeros. Um <laughs> Yeah, so th- this comes with the, I guess, the most up-to-date sales figures in general from Capcom with your sort of quarterly reports and stuff. Um, Resident Evil 3 did 2.7 million units, which isn't bad, but is a bit of a uh, a step down from what the RE2 remake did in the first, what are we at, three, four months now. Um, but overall, the series has has passed that big target. So that's, that's the highlight of that news. Uh, I think RE7 is on track to... It's catching up with RE5, that's what I hear. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't realise 7 was that close. I thought 7 was a divisive chart because the camera angle has changed. Oh, it's on its way. I know that much. I mean, um, speaking of... If people are like on the on the fence about RE7, my main advice would be, if it's the motion controls, uh, not the, uh, the motion sickness and stuff, there are ways to combat that uh, and uh, give it a go. Not to try and bump those figures up to beat RE5, because then Sonny <laughs> Bauer from Crimson Head Elder will beat me to death. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know it's it's worth your time if you haven't tried it i was really um surprised with resident evil 7 i really enjoyed that game but uh i have motion sickness sometimes and when oh, right. i played the demo for seven i was playing it with a friend and i always had to give him the controller and lay down because it made me so <sighs> sick and i was so worried about what my experience with the game was going to be like even though beginning hour gave me so much nausea, when I got my hands on the actual game, I didn't experience that like at all. I don't know if it was just like my excitement was overpowering, whatever sickness <laughs> I could have been feeling, but I couldn't put it down. I really loved it. Um, of course, you know, there's things to critique about it, but mm-hmm. I don't get where all the hate for it comes from in the fandom because I... I thought Resident Evil 7 was pretty good. I got the collector's edition, and I don't regret spending that money. Nice. The house is like the coolest That's little cool. thing ever. Um, but yeah, uh, you can definitely get around the motion sickness, I would say. I mean, I guess I can't speak for everybody. I've heard other people were able to 
like do things to get around it. But for me, like, I guess maybe I was just lucky. I don't know what happened there mm. where I didn't experience any motion sickness, but the yeah, demo lot of for it was bad. Like, yeah. I was so sick. And the um, game came out. Speaking of which, because obviously we've got distant memories writing for this episode, to shout out to him, the the, the absolute story uh, of him having troubles with motion sickness in that game and everyone sort of feeling terrible for him for not being able to enjoy that game. But yeah, he, he got around it, a combination of um, messing with field of view, I think, and uh, camera speed. It's worth trying. Obviously, <laughs> if you can't do it, then that's awful. It's, I don't think everyone will be able to get around it. It depends how bad your motion sick- yeah. uh, sickness conditions are, and that's, that sucks. Um, but damn, if you can, it, it's, it's a great game. I'm going to say, it's nice to have all these visual effects and things, but I'm glad accessibility is always, yeah. like, at least thought about, you know? Um, I have to ask, Sai, what are, like, the, the top rankings to the Resident Evil sales, then? Like, five's number one, and then... Oh, you put me on the spot now. I have to bring up oh, the... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, Capcom page, isn't there, that has them all on? Uh, let me just boot that up, because I think it's... Yeah. So Capcom Platinum Titles is what it is, which is 90 titles that have sold more than a million copies or something. Um, so Resident Evil 5... According to this website, it's 7.6. Resident Evil 6 is 7.5, as is Resident Evil 7. So, okay. that, so you know, 0.1 of a million away from uh, tying up with RE5, apparently. And then below that, uh, Resident Evil 2 is already on 6.6 million after a year and a half. Um, Wait, and, so Leon's European Adventure isn't even like competing with these at all? Uh, no, apparently not. Uh, wow. The classic Resident Evil 2 <laughs> is higher than that. Um, so... It's weird when you think about how many times that game has like been ported. Like, I'm pretty sure it's on my toaster in the kitchen. Like, <laughs> that's surreal. Uh, I, I, obviously, the thing about it's difficult with that. Uh, they have to take different formats into different considerations, perhaps. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that's probably what has forced RE4 to fall down those rankings because it's it's probably ranked in so many different ways. Um, so yeah, but uh, who knows? Maybe the remake will... Uh, no, anyway, let's not go there. So, uh, <laughs> that's the news. Let's get into the main topic of this episode, which is Profile, Claire Redfield. And now, original writings by Distant Memories 1996, who you can follow on Twitter at DistantMemory96, read in character as Claire Redfield by Less Awake, who you can follow on Twitter at Dabble Lou. October 3rd, 1998. There's an old saying that states, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. I'm not one to believe in such statements. I'd have rather thrown caution to the wind and come hell or high water, face it myself instead. I had no idea what exactly I was getting myself into that night. The night that my life undoubtedly changed forever. I truly did have the very best of intentions when I dropped everything going on around me, my college semester temporarily coming to a close for the summer, and hit the eerily silent road that evening for Raccoon City. It was the last and only place I once thought I could reach him. The only other living member of the Redfield family. My older brother, Chris Redfield. 
He was the person who practically raised me when we were kids. After our parents tragically died in a car crash. The death of both of them wickedly shook our world, turning it completely upside down, and left us broken for years in ways we never imagined. After losing them, we bounced from foster home to foster home until we were old enough to be considered legal adults. During those dark and uncertain days, he was always there for me when I needed him most. We both had each other. We were all that we had. But we did our best. I owe him so much. Chris taught me nearly everything I know. From ordinary life skills to the basics on how to protect myself from the unknown evils of the world outside. As we got older, we split paths. I went one way, he went another. I took the road of a college student, pursuing my own unwritten future, whilst he chose to be a pilot for the United States Air Force. I remember wishing him the very best of luck in his decision, but somehow knowing how my older brother was with things, that he'd probably do something to get himself in trouble with authority. And it turned out, I knew him quite well. One day, he called to tell me that he was discharged from the Air Force and was going to pursue a career in law enforcement instead. Due to my own exams, I wasn't able to attend his academy graduation ceremony, but I told him that I'd reconnect back with him once the semester ended. It's without a doubt in my mind that I know Mom and Dad would have been so proud of him as I was. It didn't take me long to hear back from him either. I was greeted shortly afterwards with a surprise phone call from his desk phone down at the Raccoon City Police Department. He said that he had been hired there as an officer in an elite special unit, one so distinguished that he said it couldn't really be discussed over the phone. He told me to reach out to him when I could come into town so that we could celebrate properly. In the days that passed since that short conversation, I desperately tried to reach him at his desk, with no answer whatsoever. The phone rang out into an empty void of silence, and strangely, come late September, so did the main number for the precinct. I was sure someone would be there to pick up the phone, but the last time I tried to call, the phone call didn't even ring out. It just disconnected entirely, like no one was there at all. My gut told me that something was very wrong. It was then that I grabbed my things and did what anyone would have done, which was go there myself. The city was the only place I thought I would find the answers to the questions that swirled around in my head. My lack of sleep wasn't helping me either, as I feared the worst. Losing both mom and dad those many years ago, I wasn't about to lose the only other person in my life that meant something to me. Once I finally arrived that one summer night in September, I'd eventually come to find that once peaceful town of Raccoon City had been turned into a private hell at the hands of a faceless corporation. That night I fought for my life and the lives of others. It was split-second decisions, careful level-headed teamwork, and bravery that allowed myself and the others to make it out of that horrific place in one piece. It was there that I met a rookie cop of the former RPD on what was surely his first and last day on the force. A man named Leon S. Kennedy. And we were joined by a sweet young girl by the name of Sherry Birkin. It was the little girl's parents' ties to the Umbrella Corporation that had ruined them both and left her an orphan like myself.
Raccoon City was no longer a place for the living. The lives lost, the destruction caused by Umbrella's heartless ways, and the effect their actions would have on the world was much too great to turn a blind eye. I guess Chris was right about life, and making the right decisions. They aren't going to be the easiest. They do require personal sacrifice in some way on our part, but in the end are right and just. I hope to continue writing the rest of my story so that one day I can share it with you, brother. Writing in the same pages in your journal that you left at your desk in the star's office. That you somehow knew I'd find when I inevitably came looking for you. You know me well, brother. As I know you all the same, too. But just know that my never-ending search and determination to find you will not end. Based on the information you left me in your notes, and my own bit of digging, I've now booked a flight to Europe, your last known location, where I hope to finally reunite with you, just not in the way we had originally planned, and help you put a stop to Umbrella, once and for all. I'll never stop looking until I found you, Chris. Once a Redfield, always a Redfield, until the day my body breathes its last breath. Okay, we have arrived. Uh, thus far in the profile series, we've handled characters with a few appearances. Rebecca, Barry, Sherry, some some kind of more minor, more background characters that um, we all wish they appeared more, but sadly it, it's just a handful. This is one of the sort of, and we've I think we've described them on the show as this before or on some videos we've done, the sort of like four pillars of Resident Evil protagonists. And we're, and we're hitting the first one with Claire Redfield. So there's quite a lot to get through in terms of appearances. Uh, so let's roll right into a bit of an introduction. This is from the Resident Evil podcast's mythology, uh, what would you call that, documentation. Thousands of pages written by the Batman. I'm sure you're all aware of it. If you're not, ResidentEvilPodcast.com. It is the most... Uh, it's, it's incredible. Just if you need Resident Evil lore, you'll get lost in it. Uh, so I'm just going to sort of read through some of sort of Claire's setup, and then we're going to roll into her first appearance. So Claire is the younger sister of Chris Redfield and grew up to become a light-hearted, articulate, modern woman. Unlike her brother, she was somewhat wild, self-confident and extroverted and was typically the first person to try something others wouldn't. This mental toughness was developed from a very young age following the loss of both her parents and her status as an orphan. She developed an extremely close bond with her brother and they would do anything for each other. Claire grew up uh, to become something of a tomboy and added motorbiking more and adored motorbiking more than anything else, owning two large bikes. She attended college and had several boyfriends. She maintained her close relationship with Chris and was extremely proud of his work in Stars. He also taught her many survival techniques for her own protection and even gave her a standard issue Stars combat knife she kept with her at all times for self-defence. He also gave her shooting lessons to ensure she was competent with firearms. In addition, her manual dexterity was on par with Jill Valentine, and she was an expert at picking locks. Following the mansion incident, Chris left, for Amer left America for Europe to investigate Umbrella's main headquarters. In order to protect Claire from potential dangers, he broke off all contact and did not tell her where he was going. But this move backfired when Claire grew worried about why he suddenly failed to keep in touch, and eventually she decided to take out time from college and travelled to Raccoon City to find him, but by the time she arrived, the city was already destroyed by the T-Virus outbreak. Which brings us to Resident Evil 2, the 1998 edition. Claire Redfield, one of two very iconic um, introduced protagonists. Uh, this one's... It's always hard to know where to start with this um, in general. This one's going to be particularly difficult, I find. Um, this was my introduction to Resident Evil. It's my favourite game of all time. 
And I mean, we might as well just put all the cards down. Claire Redfield is my favorite character of all time. So this is going to be very difficult for me to find a, an articulate way to talk about. It. So Steve, <laughs> would I you like understand. to take it away? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Steve, will you like to set us up so that we can sort of ramble and blush about it afterwards? What did you think okay. of Claire in Resident Evil 2? What was your sort of first impression of Claire? It's all right. <laughs> no, I know. Honestly, uh, of the two, like coming like from the trying to look through the lenses of 1998. Yeah. Claire and Leon are a massive step up for me personally over original Chris and original Jill. Like not only are the vocal performances much stronger, they obviously have, should we say, a little bit more emotional range. Um, as a character, I would say that Claire is the stronger of the two, although, you know, God bless Paula Dad. Mm-hmm. He did a fantastic turn as Leon. I would say Alison Court's Claire in RE2 um, while some would probably argue these days may or may not be the definitive, they're wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, definitely set a standard. I, I would still argue that the, the scripting of, of RE2 is a little hokey in places, but the, the Claire presented here is, if not the best, one of the best. Uh, she's feisty, she's sassy, but she also cares and has a very good compassionate streak when the need calls for it. And she's not out of a depth as much as the rookie cop counterpart. Right. That's actually very, very true. Uh, Leon spends a lot of his campaigns, sort of, for good reasons, chasing after Ada, who's very capable, and sort of being left in the dust a little bit. Uh, whereas Claire, because her partner character is, you know, a tiny, terrified child, she has to step up and be that, that stone, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, my first note was RE2 is uh, such a step up in general in terms of performance. The casting, like you mentioned, is absolutely a brilliant. You know, we can all agree um, with that. And how I'm they all definitely in- nodding my head in agreement. Yeah, <laughs> and the interplay as well between all of these actors as well. Um, Alison has an incredible back and forth with every single character that she performs alongside. Paul's Leon, uh, Lisa Yamanaka as Sherry. Um, even some short scenes like with Irons and with Annette, all of those scenes are fantastically portrayed. Even, yeah, okay, so the script might be a little bit uh, clunky at this point, I guess. Um, but they're just unbelievably um, improved over what RE1 was. I mean, <laughs> it'd be a stretch to be more ridiculous, wouldn't it, than RE1? But uh, it's night and day, isn't it? Uh, so, Hope, what was your first impression of Claire Redfield if you can remember way back in those hazy days oh my gosh (laughs) well I immediately fell in love with her I mean she's this badass on this bike and really cute outfit like what more could a think I was like in between seven and eight at this point not six (laughs) and seven (laughs) what more could I want um I love her in every single game like when people ask me what's my favorite Claire I have a very hard time thinking about that because I feel like they're all her and I love her hmm. like equally. Um, I like how, you know, Claire is seen as one of the most emotional characters in the series, but she also has this nonchalantness about her demeanor. And even though her emotions can hit extremes, it's also contrasted by this cool, calm and collected attitude. And I think in the original Resident Evil two, she displays that side of her a lot Mm. she um 
she's known to be really sassy and that trait shows up a lot whether she's being like playfully flirtatious or having aggressive quips or even dry sarcastic remarks and jokes and i think she uses a lot of the dry sarcasm in the original resident evil 2 and i think a lot of people typically overlook that side of her because she has such a um diverse range of emotion she's so colorful and complex with her emotions that we just typically think of her as this emotional character um in the original she, i just like my brain's like faltering <laughs> like i've got too much to say and it's like all going through that it was when we first started talking about this like i immediately felt my heart start to beat really fast i'm like oh we're getting to the good stuff we're getting to talking about Claire now. <laughs> basically what i was trying to say is i i feel like that nonchalantness is really apparent in the original resident evil 2 but that doesn't stop her from hitting all those other levels mm. of emotion that we're used to like she displays fear, which is awesome because a lot of times you have these badass characters that don't right. really show that side. And even though Claire's always been depicted as a badass, like some people act like, oh, they made her a badass in Revelations 2, blah, blah, blah. She's always been a badass. Like, shut up with that. I don't know why people act like that's mm. some great change to her character. Um, she's always been a badass, but she's always shown fear. And in 2, this is our first time seeing her. Of course, it's going to be more obvious back then um code veronica they do a really good job too but we're talking about two right now and i got to try to stay focused um <laughs> i uh yeah, yeah. I, I, my brain just keeps <laughs> no 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 you're, you're it's, it's fine um you landed right on something that i wanted to say is that it's so easy for and this term didn't really exist i don't think back then but it's so easy to write these strong capable characters um and they, they just become mary sue you know um right she, she could have been so generic it's like oh we need we need a rad female character role model type she's going to be strong um but she could have been that could have made her so generic and there's tons of subtlety there's loads of grace all in between all of that she's strong but the differences between her and some of these other like cigar chomping assault rifle wielding action hero characters that we were sort of doing away with at this point um in gaming hey i love carlos <laughs> in terms of like in terms of like the late 90s when you know in, in video games writing was becoming a lot stronger and a lot more layered um she lands realistically in the between everything going on there she's capable she's caring uh she's a great role model she she's not any particular way she lands right in the middle of all of that she has these amazing uh moments like you said of being a badass but also she's nurturing without being like a Absolutely. wimpy stereotype it's it's incredible just looking back on it and i play this game a lot still but looking back on it and actually thinking about it, it was like how did this character written in 98 I just, I, it makes my right? head spin. For me, she's the most realistic character. She, obviously, she's the most realistic character in the series up until this point. We only had two games. Um, but in terms of all the PS1 games, she's got one competitor. And I think, I still think she's the most realistic character of the classic Resident Evil games. And up to today, I would still say she's probably the most realistically built character of everyone, in my opinion. Um, 
Steve, what do you think about sort of her personality traits? Because she's a tomboy, but she's, you know, not just a tomboy, like we say. She's In RE2 specifically, yeah? Yeah, let, let's, uh, let's try and focus. I know it's difficult. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I, I, the way I see Claire as an actual person in Resident Evil 2, I, I feel like this is going to change over the course of the various games. But at this point, Claire is the, the badass big sister. Like, yeah. you know, she... Uh, not just Sherry, obviously, but like imagine Leon as a younger sibling as well. The way she always knows what she's doing. Hmm. Calm, mostly calm and collected and capable. She doesn't. I don't think she really freaks out much, except literally maybe with the first zombie. And even then, it's uh, hello, uh, and then trying to get out of there. You know, she never panics. She never. She's a trailblazer, and she's there for people. It's it's hard to explain really, but she's like in eighties action movie tropes. She's the big sister who's trying to keep everyone safe. Yeah, she knuckles down, realizes mm. the situation they're in, and uh, just sort of, okay, this is what we have to do to make sure we all get out of here alive. Um, yeah, like... It's not, uh, it's not in a cold and heartless way, that's what I'm saying. She's not just, like, shooting her way through every corridor. She's actually there for characters. That's the difference, I think. Yeah, I mean, the first thing she does when she sees Leon in the Leon, in the Leon B campaign, or Claire A campaign, however you want to look at it, is like, Leon, I, I know you're kind of struggling, mate, but I need you to get Sherry out. I need to get this vaccine, <laughs> basically. I mean, you know, not, not, not the exact words. And Leon's just seen his quote-unquote best friend who he's known all of five minutes get smashed into a console or thrown off a cliff. <laughs> uh, so the fact that she can still get him to do things and motivate him to, like, actually help, I think it's great. Because, you know, leadership potential, I suppose, mm. would be right. Uh, right. Yeah, the way to describe it. Absolutely. She um, definitely has this quality about her where she can either take the leadership role or she can be like a supportive role, but really, really good at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Out of all of the main protagonists, I think Claire is the one who, uh, well, maybe outside of a brother, Claire is probably the one who would take the lead the most, at least right. at this point. Um, and logically speaking, that makes sense. Like we were just saying in the sort of intro there, um, her character makes a whole lot of sense. She's been trained by her also orphaned brother who would wind up going to the military and then working in the police enforce uh police enforcement so you know that obviously he's very driven uh in that in that way and he's passed those character traits on the importance of uh doing the right thing even though it's tough mm. um so obviously performance by Alison court we're going to be talking about her a lot um throughout this episode uh, this is the, the debut of Alison Court as Claire Redfield. Um, yeah, just such a great, warm performance. Um, helps that bring her to life, make her real. Um, yeah, it's why she's synonymous with Claire and, and Resident Evil in general, is just because it feels so real. Um, we're going to have to to move away from her, though, because we've got to talk about Remake 2. <laughs> um, so before we do that, though, do we need to call out if this is our favorite Claire performance or not? I mean, I already—it's—it's it's mine, obviously. Uh, it's my favorite game, so it'd be hard to say otherwise. Not that there are other contenders. I don't have contenders. a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I like them all. Yeah, you say the that now. Bitches. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna force one out of you by the end of it. No! Um, <laughs> That's gonna be like the longest silence for me, just with the gears spinning in my head trying to think. I just love them so much. Uh, Steve, final thoughts on RE2, Claire. Is, how does it rank for you? Oh, God, you're doing this now. Oh. We got, this I is see, the key one, right? We have to at least do a little bit of it here. Of, uh, but okay, so out of Alison Court's portrayals of Claire. Oh, you know, that's just still friggin' tough. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Can we go through some of the later bits to just like right. I'm, okay, I'm, that's I'm, fine. Let my brain settle. <laughs> I want to. I want to let my brain settle. You guys clearly, uh, clearly need some time to think about it. That's fine. Obviously, I don't. Um, <laughs> this is this is this is it for me. But uh, yeah, I'm still excited to talk about the rest. So um, we're doing this as usual with the profile episodes. We'd like to do everything as canonical in canonical order as much as possible. Uh, save for remakes. So Alison Court played Claire up until Revelations Two. And she also did not play her in Resident Evil 2. So uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake, where she was played by Stephanie Panicello. This is the third actress to play Claire. Um, obviously, <coughs> this is a retelling of the 1998 original, which is in many ways close to the classic game and in many ways very, very different. And I think, I think Claire falls very much into the different category i'm going to be interested to see some arguments i'm sure uh, other people feel otherwise um part of that is probably the recasting um but uh her character actually i'm gonna say i'm gonna save that one um hope let's start with you how did you feel about uh the resident evil 2 remake claire when you were sort of first introduced to her when you got the game for the first time what was that experience like i loved her my only complaint is that they got rid of her auburn hair. That was a big mm. one for me. <laughs> I was very upset by that. But I I think they did great with her. I think Stephanie did great with her. Um, now, I feel like a lot of people's issue... God, I don't know why. Before we did this podcast, I decided I was going to write down all my thoughts. And of course, I wrote a damn novel. And now, like, <laughs> I try to like, go through. I'm like, what were the points that I wanted to like touch upon? And I'm like, I literally wrote like a novel. Like, There's no way I can find certain things or even cover all this. I should just talk off the top of my head. But that's no good either. Um, I feel like a lot of people who have issues with the way Claire is in the remake, and I, I can't speak for everybody. This is just like some things I see and put up with. Um, I I think a lot of it can be boiled down to the different voice actors and not so much the dialogue, but how the actresses portray the dialogue. Um, I, I think it's just a matter of the lines being delivered differently because the dialogue still seems very fitting to me for Claire. Um, I... Like, I, I, I can't pick between Allison and Stephanie at this point. I like them both a lot. I've played the remake of two so many times that, like, I can't even say she's grown on me because I liked her immediately as right. Claire. Um, uh, Allison Court's always going to be one of my all-time favorite voice actors. Um, but I, I really think Stephanie did a good job. And I, I think a lot of the difference is their tone and the way that they would speak. And some people think that Stephanie's take on Claire ruined what we knew of Claire's personality and I don't see that at all I think it just adds more diversity to her already diverse personality um Allison's voice was like really unique and it kind of was a bit sultry and had this sugariness about it which I thought was really fitting for Claire's overall character mm. where Stephanie's voice is different it still like in my opinion captures the general essence of Claire it just in a different way she has more of like this cuteness to her voice but she still has like this edge that encompasses like claire's sweet and playful side versus her tougher and more tomboyish side so i i, I like the new voice change I, I think it's still really fitting for her i think it adds more to her as opposed to changing anything about her i think it just gives us a new way to look at her character with the way that the lines are delivered um i think she's written really well I just, I was really pleased, like, the 
biggest complaint I had about Claire in remake would literally be the Auburn hair. That's, that's <laughs> all I can think about. Like I was, I was really pleased. I, I, I'm just going to say it a million that's, times. I was no, happy. That's, that's good. That's, that is good to hear at least. And I like, I, like she makes little sarcastic comments and yeah. little dumb jokes and, yeah, I, I'm... she's just perfect to me. Like, I feel like the most important things about Claire were in. I don't mean to keep cutting you off. No, I'm no, sorry. no, it's fine. No, it's fine. I, just, I feel like the most important things about Claire's personality were present in this depiction mm. of her. She's very protective. She's stubborn. She is compassionate. She's sassy. She's silly. She's flirty. Like, they they hit on all her character traits. She even gets really emotional and upset over sherry a couple of times whether it's snapping at annette or she gets teary-eyed a few times you can hear her voice cracking it i i think it's all done really well like i just i loved it and her dry humor is a little bit different than the way allison delivered those lines but you can still tell like she's got that range she goes from her dry sarcasm to her, her silly mischievous like little comments like i just i think she's great yeah, I, I think <laughs> I think well said. That's why I think. Uh, yeah, I you made a strong argument. I, I'm glad to hear as well that it was a they succeeded what they were going for by. Yeah, it's weird because it's it it does feel like a very much a shake up, but it is identically clear. It's you, you're right. She's got all the key moments and all the key points of her personality. Um, for me. There's a couple of weird things you said, maybe not the script, but perhaps some of the line readings. There's one one that just I just can't, um, which is uh, when she meets Sherry uh, and Sherry says, oh, you know, her, her dad's dead. And Claire says, wow, both my parents are dead. Just the way she says <laughs> that is, is so, so weird. But uh, other than that, I think the performance is really good. Um, yeah, her her own take on that personality is strong. Steve, you streamed uh, Remake too a few times recently and, and called out the scene at the gate between her and Leon. I love yeah. that scene. I think it's great. Yeah, I don't get why people roast people over it because I, I find it like, you know, they are in a really bad situation. They have just seen a person they recognize. Let's take a moment to just, you know, have a head check and just try and act normal for two seconds. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, but no, they're being goofy and flirting during the zombie apocalypse. Zero out of ten. Like, oh. I, awesome. I think that like shows that both Claire and Leon kind of have that side to them in their personalities, though. Like, I'm the furthest thing from a Cleon shipper. I do not like that ship at all. I really love Claire and Leon's friendship. Like, I will get emotional thinking about their friendship sometimes and like tear up. It's ridiculous. But uh, like Leon and Claire are both like flirtatious, just as a personality trait. Mm. So I, you know, I, I didn't hate the scene. I do think it was a little awkward, but I kind of thought it was cute, like personality-wise, yeah. to see that from the two of them. Especially since I, I think I'm just repeating myself now, but uh, we know that both of them are flirtatious characters. Like they flirt with other people in the series too. It's not like right, absolutely. I mean, Leon solely... Leon starts doing it almost immediately later that night. Let's face it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, for me this is the thing so remake 2 I think I've said this before the thing that I like uh, dislike 
the most about it is that it just doesn't have the same level of depth for me in many yeah, different agree. aspects. And I think some of... The, and I'm not saying I think the character of Claire was written well. I just think the script could have had a little bit more time spent on it. I think that is maybe why it doesn't feel quite the same to me. And someone said this, and I hate that I don't remember who pointed this out. And I apologize if you're, I'm sure it's one of the other podcasters as a thing. So if you're out there listening, I apologize. Um, but the thing about Remake 2 is you look at the main cast and you can see Leon, Sherry and Ada becoming... The, the Remake 2 characters becoming the characters that they do in later games. I feel less that way about Claire. Um, I agree with that sentiment. It doesn't necessarily feel like this Claire is the same, you know, she becomes Code Veronica Claire and so on and so forth. And that's sort of where a little bit of juxtaposition is for me. But in terms of her performance and in terms of her personality, for the most part, I was fairly happy with uh, how they how they got that right. Steve, what did you think of Remake 2 Claire overall? It was all right. Uh, no, honestly, like I've got while while Alison Court is going to have the, you know she's got the nostalgia argument for me, so I'm, I'm like grew up with that one. That's the one I'm attached to. I think Stephanie did a fantastic job, like uh, as a, a reimagining of the character. Although I would argue Claire in this is a little bit less unique. Mm. Uh, she feels a little bit more like they've took the actiony parts of Sarah Connor, the actiony parts of Ripley, and blended them with the original Claire Redfield in the way she behaves and portrays. Right. Uh, but the general like notes, uh, yeah, the notes and the motifs are there, and I can't complain with that. I actually like this vibrant, sassy Claire who don't take no crap from no one, especially like when she delivers the best f bomb in a video game to date. Uh, like that, that, that scene with the gate man, like just you know, I'll get you, you. F yeah, mm, I, I was feeling it. I, I love that bit. Yeah, um, me every time. And when she's uh, like. I would say Claire's a lot more argumentative to have around. I want to say a little bit more hostile, uh, especially with like whenever Annette is on her, like, you know, I've got to stop William crusade when Sherry is in danger. Claire ain't having none of that. Yeah, she calls when, her out. I yeah. loved that so much. <laughs> her and I shared the same dialogue in that moment. Like what she said came out of my mouth and then she said it right after me. And it was probably one of the most exciting moments in my life that she followed <laughs> up my sentence with the exact same sentence. Um, but Claire was kind of very argumentative like that in Code Veronica, too. Yeah, I, um, I wanted to touch on this, actually, because I know we all know the likelihood of a Code Veronica remake is low. At least it no, feels low. No, all right. No, I don't mean that. I don't mean that in a bad way, Hope. I, I hope I am wrong because I want to see Stephanie Panicello do another take as mm. I want to see what her Curve Veronica Claire is like. Because like Sai said, the chances of them matching up with the original Curve Veronica Claire are low. And I want to see what they do with it. Because I can I, I want to see a, a, a should we say a more feisty Claire versus Steve Burnside. Um you know? Uh, yeah well, I that's want... right actually that's really that's a very good point. I'd love to see her interact with the characters of Code The character chemistry has to be mm. different. Well the way <laughs> she meets him in the original is still pretty feisty like he shoves a gun <laughs> exactly. in his face he tries to like smack it out of her out of his face and she just puts it right back in his exactly. face and tells him to shut up like yeah so just I've, basically if it's Stephanie Panicello it turn so it up much. oh yeah definitely <laughs> now so there's probably one scene that, that's a little bit in in R290 in, in a 2019 that's maybe a little bit cheesy I love it but it is cheesy it's where she's like you know I've got this and squares oh, off against Birkin form 
Yeah, Berkey Four Three. It's like it's so cheesy. It's so like eighties action movie. It hurts. Well, Resident Evil. It's part of its charm is to be I, a little bit cheesy. Yeah, and that's why it's like it, it's a juxtaposition, but I love it all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it gives me chills, but every time Claire's on the screen, I pretty much get chills. So. <laughs> Oh, excellent! And then um, she has the—it's the same kind of thing on the train, isn't it? When just before they leave, we're like, "I've got this. Don't worry, you're going to be safe. Stay in the train." And mm. and then obviously, Birkin shows up again. Moment of apprehension. Then we whip out the minigun or the grenades, and he's done. It's uh, yeah, no. I while I would the nostalgia argument is going to make ninety-eight Claire probably the Claire for me. If I had to have a second place. It's remake two, Claire. Nice, right. it, it, fair enough. As in, not, not, I mean, not in terms of vocal performances. Uh, well, uh, voice actresses. I'm trying to say because I still don't know which Alison caught Claire. I'm still thinking on that one. Yeah, okay. Uh, different rankings here. There is, yeah. This, this, this separate rankings. There's the Alison caught Claire's, and then there's Steph. And that's not, that's not discounted Steph at all. Okay, she's, she did a fantastic job for me. Uh, like you know, I would be happy to have her signed on as Claire Redfield. Uh, you know, for another for round. foreseeable. Yeah, at least give her. Just give her another shot. I, I see, you know. Um, mm. I'm rambling now. You've all infected you, me with the rambles. No, no, no. It's are oh, you just my brain went to a weird place and like you know, is there a way to if they don't remake Code Veronica? I know. Sorry. No. Uh, no, you know, you know what? If they don't, don't if they don't remake, that. if they don't remake Code Veronica, that's a damn shame because that is like mm. while it's not my personal favorite. All right, it's Ooh. a damn no. But it's a favorite of a lot of people in the franchise. Like, it's a lot of people's favorite Resi game, right? Um, a lot of people are over here, like, bitching that they want to see Wesker again. Like, that would be a really easy way to do it. Remake Code exactly. Veronica. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, so right. Chris, younger Chris, like, remake Code Veronica. People want to see right. Claire's story conclude. Remake Code Veronica. Like, what are you doing? Like, if no. you don't make bank off Resident Evil 4 remake and then put that money into a Code Veronica remake... I don't know what I'm going to do besides scream and cry a lot. I'm already going to wear my Co-Veronica cosplay when I go pick up my Resident Evil 4 remake pre-order that I know I'm going to pre-order like an idiot, even though I'm just crying <laughs> the entire time because this should be Co-Veronica and I'm getting not Resident Evil 4. Like, oh! Oh, oh anyway, amazing. Sorry. Should we talk no, about, no. That we was talk amazing. about game? Should we talk about, should we talk about Co-Veronica by any chance? <laughs> Okay, a uh, little bit of in-between. Again, shout-out to Batman and the Resident Evil podcast, boys. Uh, immediately following the incident, Claire said her goodbyes and left Leon and Sherry behind. She had to find her brother and did not want to be delayed by the authorities. Both Leon and Sherry needed immediate medical attention, and they waited behind and were taken into the custody of the US government. Meanwhile, Claire's ongoing search for her brother led her to Umbrella's Paris lab facility. After infiltrating the building on the evening of December 17th, she was captured and taken to Rockfort Island, a prison facility somewhere south of the equator and home of the legendary Ashen family, co-founders of Umbrella. Which takes us to the once uh, Dreamcast exclusive, Code Veronica, which then would later release on PlayStation 2 as Code Veronica X with extra scenes and and all that stuff. Um, The return of Claire Redfield... Uh, and also the return of Chris Redfield. Um, in many ways, uh, for me, and I have said this in the past, this is the third game in the series. Um, Resident Evil 3, obviously, everyone knows the story. It was side game given the Resident Evil 3 name. But uh, for me, Code Veronica feels like the wrapping up of the Redfield story to a certain extent. 
Um, Alison Court obviously returned as Claire, as we previously said. And uh, unlike Resident Evil 2, Claire is the sort of lead protagonist, at least for the first bunch of hours, and then suddenly the bait and switch where you get to play as Chris as well. So Claire gets to fully lead this game. Uh, Steve, do you remember what your your first reactions were to Code Veronica, you know, or how you felt about Claire Redfield coming back as the quote-unquote solo protagonist? Well, as the first returning protagonist, that's after Jill. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah, she, she bit actually... Leon to the punch, and we didn't know Chris was coming back, so yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah no, honestly, I was I was hyped. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, I, I was one of these people who didn't get Code Veronica on Dreamcast. I got CVX. I got mm-hmm. the... I got the PS2 version, which is apparently very blue, foggy, and um, a little bit, little bit Devil May Cry demo abuse may or may not have happened. Uh, but no, Code Veronica was okay. Uh, like, the, I, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you have to understand hope. I have, I have grown leaps and bounds because if this was several years ago, this would be a very different discussion about Code Veronica about why mm, I. This is true. Yeah, that. Uh, the deep law for Steve is Steve used to have an irrational, stupid hate for this game, and he has, he has grown. <gasps> he has grown to find and appreciate many things about it. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm glad you have me on now with this person who can appreciate it as opposed to before. Oh no no no! no I, I don't hate the I don't hate the game now. I I, I, I my heart has grown three times Ooh. since then. Um, but no, as a whole, it's uh, it's an interesting journey. Phenomenal. It's, it's definitely the weirdest and wackiest. And I mean that in brain. I love it so much. <laughs> oh, wait uh, your turn. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to win back points. You know, before <laughs> to death. Um, the, the soundtrack is obviously one of the strongest as well. And Claire, I would argue, this is this is the weird point now because we start degeneration to go. I, I, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn mm-hmm. which is favorite Alison Court portrayal here. And no, we don't count Operation Raccoon City. Because um, <laughs> she's about very. Chronicle? Yeah, yeah, no, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's solid. Uh, no, we'll go we're back to Co Veronica, though. No, the Claire in this is cool. Like, she's one of the few characters I think I like the most out of this. I know a lot of people like Co Veronica Chris, but I like Co Veronica Claire more than her brother in this one. Mm-hmm. She's with it. She knows what's going on. Even the, even when she's caught off guard, like by a maniac with a sniper rifle, don't mean nothing. Still an assassin. <laughs> still still going to completely get, call him a backwater hillbilly of an officer while he's in full regalia. You know, <laughs> so ain't no problem. Plus, you know, she does action set pieces that the live action films rip off badly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that I don't find them a bit dumb because I do, but that's just. You know, in in the context of this game, and that everything is a little bit extra and a little bit wackier, mm. it's fine. Um, as for like generally what happens to her, I kind of feel bad that after her main game portrayal, she gets like maybe ten minutes since you would say quote unquote the Chris campaign, and right. that's it. Yeah. And in that, and the, the worst part is a lot happens in those ten minutes, including one of the meanest puzzles in the entire franchise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't want to get crushed. Yeah, no, mm. that I, I, yeah, it's it's true. I always did feel it's like kind of a shame that Claire didn't get more at the end there, considering I always felt like this was her game. Um, yeah, and I love Chris in this absolutely. Um, but he does sort of <laughs> waltzes in and steals that spotlight for a little bit too yeah. long. Yeah, she's she's on the box art. She's in the. Oh, mm. no. 
I I get the feeling I should step back and let Hope talk now before I say my piece, or you're going to explode, right? Oh no, you can talk. (laughs) I feel like as soon as it gets to me, I'm going to have so much to say that my mind just goes like blank again, trying to think like what's coming out of your mouth first. All right, let's see what happens. So um, we were talking before about uh, classic Resident Evil 2. Claire gets a fair bit of sort of the action-packed moments. This game, obviously, Steve, you mentioned it. The opening cutscene is ridiculous. It's the first big (laughs) jump into absolute insane action set pieces, Um, (laughs) which is so funny that Claire gets to be the one to do it. Uh, So there you go. I guess we were right, what we were talking about before. Um, And yeah, so there's there's a few of those sequences. There's obviously the bit where she runs out of the the military camp um, with the explosions and stuff and the shutters coming down. She gets a few action pieces, but... Again, it doesn't turn her into generic action hero. She's got emotional depth in this game again with all the characters that she gets to interact with. Obviously, yep. you get to see her with Chris finally, which is a great moment. She has uh, such a, um emotional story with Steve as well. You know, the difference between getting to see them two on screen so much more compared to um, her and Leon is you get these great scenes between them where... Again, she has to be there for him. She continues to be the grounding of Resident Evil. Like, Code Veronica is bat-poo-weird. It's so weird. I love it. (laughs) It's absolute lunacy, you know. And Alfred, Alexia, even Steve, obviously, he's a bit over-the-top dramatic. Um, Just on the podcast. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, Mr. Burnside, there we go. Um... But Claire is Claire is the anchor to all of that insanity. It's the strange, possibly the strangest game in the franchise, and yet she remains this realistic, grounded character. Um, which makes me wonder now: Am I going to have to take back what I said about RE2? Claire, it's really tough, isn't it? I think see. I, oh, you chipped in too soon, so no, you don't I know, know, do you? <laughs> now you. Oh no! What have I done? I don't know. It's tough. It really is tough. She's got some great lines in this as well. Um, like when Steve suggests that she sends the coordinates of the island to an ally of her, and she goes, thanks, I'll do that. Like, And he's like, oh. <laughs> um, she gets the sassy stuff against Alfred all the time. You know, you can't be that important if you're in charge of a backwater base. Just, oh, no, oh, no. why did I choose that? I may- Maybe it's Code Veronica. I do love this game. Um, I really do. And I think, yeah, Claire is a big part of that, especially. Right, okay, let's let's unleash let's unleash it. Hope start start away. Well, how do you feel Ooh. about Code Veronica? Well, I agree with everything you say. Like I I I love her so much in this game. Like if you're gonna force me to pick a favorite, it might end up being Code Veronica mm-hmm. Claire. Might be a little biased because I literally love everything about this game. I love how action top see I can't speak over the top <laughs> with action it is. But it's also still like really scary and has that eeriness and that classic like survival horror atmosphere. So I don't really think it leans too far one way or the other. I'm supposed to just be talking about Claire here, but I can't <laughs> like I love Code Veronica so much. Um, <laughs> and all the characters. So so much. Uh Claire's like really great in this game. I think she shows the most emotional diversity in Code Veronica. Yeah. Um she's got that level headed coolness, but she's still even after the event she went through in Resident Evil 2, experiences fear over and over and over again. We see her show her fear and how scared she is. But she snaps out of that. She's brave. Um, she's very 
determined and snarky, sassy, sarcastic, like everything that makes her her is here. Um, I, and I love how sassy she is in Code Veronica. Like it's just done so well. Um, I love her banter with Steve. Uh, I love when she gives him the machine guns in, change, er, in exchange for the Lugers and she doesn't give him any ammo and she starts <laughs> laughing at him. Like that's one of my favorite scenes in the whole game. Um, their dynamic between the two of them, I just really, really like. I, I love mm. Claire and Steve together. That's my OTP. Like, I really love their chemistry, and um, you can see her more. Like most people see it from him, where he develops the feelings for her. But you can see her developing feelings for him over the course of the game. A lot of people just like close their eyes to it because they don't like Steve and they don't want to admit that. The feelings were mutual there. There are interviews that say that Claire had feelings for him. I'm just throwing that out there for the kids. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was mutual, sorry to say, to the people that don't want to accept it. It was mutual. Um, and it's just really sad. Like, it's so sad to see, like, the relationship between the two of them build up mm. just for things to end in the way that they did. Like, literally rips your heart out and takes a piss on it it's just so <laughs> sad i i'm having like so many emotions like my heart's really like tight right now i'm like clutching my you can't see me and i'm like trying to think of like how i want to work everything this is why i wrote stuff down but i wrote so much <laughs> i can't find what i want to say um, I, i'm like i'm coming to this prepared because i know i'm a freaking frazzled mess it set, didn't yeah. matter uh, it didn't matter i just Set your notes. Um, what, why? Well, I, I want to just sort of talk about that relationship a bit while you look through your notes. Um, what I, think... I like is everyone. <laughs> so many people in the Resident Evil community are, are mean to Steve Burnside. Claire isn't really mean to Steve at all. She's um, not like she, she sasses him in the beginning. Right. right? It's, it's very. So... It's playful and stuff like yeah. that to me because what I like about it is that, and I can't I hope you'll probably know this. I don't remember how old Steve was meant to be, but it's nice to see her interacting with someone with someone closer to her age um, right. in, in this way, because obviously she spent a lot of screen time with Sherry. Um, but they still get to have that dynamic where she's more of a, do a dominant personality um, and she pities him. That sounds really patronizing, but not, you know, not in that kind of way. Um, just in the way that Steve... She feels sympathy for right, him. Exactly. That would be a better way to... Yes, she's sympathetic to him. And it's nice because... Uh, not every male character, and maybe this we're getting into a whole world, like a different thing here. St Steve is not a macho character at all, and it's nice to see that and see that relationship and that dynamic. Um, and maybe that's why some people were a little bit like, "So, sort of, oh, this is weird and different." I don't know, um, but for me, I I really like that. It's a completely different spin on it. Um, right. I just want to chime in, and Go I want to it. say this because for, for all the shippers of Steve and Claire. I, I totally get you. And I think the only reason people maybe, shall we say, turned off again is because they haven't seen like the Dark Side Chronicles version. Because I would right. argue a lot of people against it, maybe just due to Steve's Trevronica vocal performance. It wasn't yeah, the strongest. It seems like a lot of people specifically hate on him. Yeah. His voice acting, which I didn't even hate. Like, there are moments in the original where the voice acting definitely could have been better. But then there's other times where it's like kind of cute. Like, I don't really mind it. It's just on the occasion the actor it's like what were you doing at that moment why did you <laughs> that well, but uh 
That's what I mean. You see, if even if it's debatable, if it's debatable in Code Veronica, it isn't in Dark Side Chronicles because there's like a lot more vocal chemistry there, which is clearly develop. You know, the developers' intent to reinforce it. At least that's that's the way I would see it. I think it was funny, like where Sai said how, um, you know, Claire's got a more dominant personality still. In Dark Side Chronicles, Steve even makes a comment like, "Oh, great, now I have to deal with this girl's power trip." Like it's really. Their their banter with each other is so cute, and like I really liked the Dark Side Chronicles interpretation of it because it's just constant back and forth between them, and I I love that I love that they didn't split up, so they just constantly were having dialogue with each other. Um, but like their their dynamic pairs really well together. Like Steve's a pretty unique character, and like how you say he's not really macho, he's still like tries to get this tough guy attitude yes but you get to see where it's you know he's he's trying to keep that persona up um in the dark side chronicles he you know is a little more fearful and not so much like in your face cocky which i like both ways i love when steve gets cocky um i think that meshes with claire's personality really well like with her sass and stuff but, you know, Steve still has a lot of really badass moments, too. He saves Claire's life a handful of times in Code Veronica, which doesn't really make her a damsel at all. It just shows no, that she yeah. can be vulnerable because we've seen Claire save herself and save other people so many times. Mm. Like, so it's just it's nice to see that even somebody as capable and badass as Claire still needs saving sometimes. Like, she's not invincible. Um and I feel like a lot of people just dislike Steve so much. They don't think about how he literally saved her life more than once. They don't think about all the badass stunts he does. Like, he really can bust a freaking move. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't understand where all this Steve hate comes from. Like, just get over the voice acting. Like, I just, it bothers me so much because he's my second favorite character. Um, like, out of the whole franchise, obviously Claire's my first. I just, this is supposed to be about Claire and I'm going off about Steve. So I'm going to try to not keep going off about Steve, but it's just very, as a big Steve fan, it's very frustrating because like he is like maybe just as emotionally diverse as she is. Like we see him cry. We see him go through all these different emotions. Like he's hot headed. He's also compassionate, just not to her degree. It's just, I don't know. They, they basically, they go really well together. I think they're, character traits complement each other very well i love seeing them interact mm-hmm. love their chemistry that was probably my favorite thing about Code veronica was claire and steve and their partnership um but overall like claire's great in Code veronica but i think she's great in everything she's in so that's that's not saying <laughs> too much coming from me um that's why you're on the podcast hope because basically you declare super fan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank um, you. Steve, any final thoughts on Code Veronica before we move on? I, I want to just talk outside the lens of Steve Burnside because there's one other character Claire interacts with, which is kind of touching, I think. It's, uh, despite the fact that he's the entire reason she's in this mess, right? Uh, is Rodrigo. You know, uh, mm. literally the second she's out of that cell and she can see he's hurt, okay, what are you going to do? And to which he says, like, I'm going to just probably stay here a while and bleed. And you can optionally go and get him hemostatic medicine and they have a nice little bonding touchy moment there which just shows that even though this guy 
really has messed things up for Claire in the past, like, you know, shall we say, a couple of days. I think that this is over the course of Christmas, isn't it? Yes. Or October? It's, 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 uh, yes. Um, yeah, I think it's October. Yeah, well, it's, it's yeah. She's, she's he's ruined a couple of days for Claire, at the very least. <laughs> you about to say he's ruined uh, her Christmas. I was going to say ruined a Christmas, but then you realise, <laughs> no, it's not over Christmas, Steve. But the point is, like, she still helps him and still has mm-hmm. a very touching moment with him. Even when he's pretty much saying, I'm going to stay here and die, she's like, are you sure? You know? That's, yeah, she's a very empathetic and cool character in CV. Um, yeah. Uh, plus she sasses the bad guys, and we all know that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't have brought that up, but uh, yeah, good point about Rodrigo. I think it's what's really cool. We talked a lot about Alison Court, obviously. Um, we've got one more Alison Court appearance to go, but I think it says a lot that she got called back to be a starring role like this. Um, almost, almost as well, the fact that this is a Resident Evil on a brand new console, sort of testing out some new waters and stuff. Um, it speaks of the strength of Claire's character and of her performance as Claire's character. Because obviously, yes, Jill came back uh, previously, again, intended as a side game, and also for obvious reasons, but with a new voice actress. Whereas um, Alison is the the voice actor who got called back, um, the first voice actor from the series to get called back, as far as I can think of. So that's pretty cool. December 27th, 1998. The horrific events that occurred in Raccoon City were just the beginning of the nightmare. The rabbit hole went much deeper than I ever imagined with the Umbrella Corporation's sick and twisted ways. The vast amount of information I came into contact with at an Umbrella facility hidden from the public eye was simply staggering. As much as I feared for my life when facing off against the T-virus-infected monsters and G-virus-infused abominations, Dealing with regular gun-carrying security officers was in a way much worse. A thought I never imagined I'd consider based on the god-awful things I had witnessed firsthand that night in September. But as vicious as all of those creatures were in Raccoon City, they couldn't hold assault rifles or call for backup to take me down. Although the Umbrella Europe facility I'd broken into wasn't the first time I was dealing with the company, as Raccoon City had surely introduced me to them in ways I'll never forget... This was the first time seeing how they ran their business from a cold corporate side. The dark offices lit by bright computer screens were well guarded, instead of being overrun with the undead. The information I was able to come by was enough to make my mind spin. There was too much to process in one sitting. Every digital folder opened up another set of digital folders, each containing various documents and photographs from various experiments conducted from all over the world. My body shuddered at the other unfathomable amount of corporate secrets that resided at the other branches hidden across the globe, along with the sheer agony of those they captured to test their latest viruses on as well. The pictures alone were enough to make my stomach turn. There was this one file I was able to access, one that definitely struck a nerve inside me. So deep the blood in my body felt like it went from ice cold to burning hot in a matter of seconds. The folder was labeled, Project Nemesis and detailed what looked to be some kind of prototype bioweapon developed by Umbrella's French division. A hideous abomination of flesh and tubing, with medical staples and surgical tape, all wrapped up like a holiday present from hell. It wasn't just the record of such a monster being built by their hands that sent shivers down my spine, as I had a feeling that I'd surely uncover more horrible things that Umbrella was hard at work on. 
for unknown purposes and parties of interest. It was the date when the creature was supposedly set to be released for field testing. According to the file's documentation, it was deployed during roughly the same time Leon and I were caught up in the Raccoon City outbreak. The thought that this thing was out roaming the streets that night was almost too much to comprehend. The only other piece of information I came across in my search, in this case, leaving me more puzzled than terrified, was another folder I discovered, seemingly hidden away elsewhere on the desktop. A mysteriously labeled directory for something called the Progenitor, but it was locked with much heavier encryption. I don't think I'll ever know what was in that folder, but whatever it was, it didn't sound good to me at all. I thought that everything was in the clear with my escape from the facility, since I either knocked out or got past most of the guards that came my way, but everything changed when the alarm went off. There must have been some kind of hidden trigger system somewhere in a room I didn't see, which ultimately placed the whole facility on high alert and put me in a meeting with the entire security force. Although I did my best to take them out, I was unfortunately knocked out and taken to an unknown location in Europe. I heard the guards mutter something about Rockford Island in a set of numbers pertaining to me, which makes sense now, as I sit alone in a dark and damp prison cell. I think it's safe to say that this is Rockford Island, and those numbers are my prisoner numbers for this place. I've become a criminal in the eyes of Umbrella. How ironic. They should be the ones behind bars, not me. But mark my words, their day of reckoning will come. The only light I have to write this in your journal is coming from a small lighter resting on an old desk a few feet away from my cell. I haven't seen anyone in what seems like hours upon my incarceration here at Rockford Island, but I'm starting to hear what sounds like gunfire and explosions from above, and every now and then, small bits of dust rain down on me from the ceiling. Someone else is here on the island. Who they are and what they're doing, I have no idea. But hopefully I can find a way out of here soon. I'm writing this all down for you, Chris. Maybe you're somewhere here on this island, too. I know it's a shot in the dark, but it's one I'm willing to take because you're all I have to hope for on this godforsaken island now. Alright, so let's jump ahead a little bit. Uh, a little bit more information in between these two. Upon her return to America, Claire joined the NGO TerraSave, a group that aided victims of bioterrorism and campaigned against inhumane medical experimentation. Soon she travelled regularly around the world helping people and raising awareness of the glowing plight of bioterrorism. It was a role she enjoyed and she revelled being in the position of rescuer rather than fighter as chosen by people such as Leon and Chris. She also often visited Sherry who was now in full-time custody of the US government. In 2004, when the BSAA was formed, Chris invited his former STARS teammate Barry Burton to join as a consultant, and this was how Claire came to know him and his daughter. And this was how Claire <laughs> came to know him and his daughter, Moira. Although Barry and Moira had their differences, Claire became close to all of them, with Barry acting as a mentor slash father figure to both Redfield siblings. In return, Claire viewed both Moira and Polly as her younger sisters. In 2005, well, we'll get to that. In 2005, however, Claire was thrown right back into the nightmare after being caught up in the T-virus attack on Harderville Airport. So this is the events of Resident Evil Degeneration, the first in the trilogy of CGI movies. Um, they're all... Leon-centric-ish, but uh, this one has a fair decent amount of Claire in it. She's on the box art. She's a major character. There's no getting around that. Um, Claire has plenty to do in this uh, film. 
So I'm not. Yeah, this one's a bit of a weird one because it was nice to see them paired up, but it's kind of a shame that they have to split off again. They get their own sort of subplots to follow. Um, with Claire sort of working more behind the scenes, perhaps. She winds up getting injured as well, so she doesn't get to do quite as much action-packed stuff as, say, Code Veronica. But straight off the bat, it's worth mentioning, she gets to slap a senator in the face, so that's pretty cool. I love it! <laughs> um, so, Hope, let's start with you. What did you think of Claire's portrayal in Resident Evil Degeneration? I thought she was handled so well in Degeneration, but I mean, again, I love all Claire's, but I've recently watched Degeneration again, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And I remember my first time watching it, I was absolutely in love with Claire, but I was so bitter about how they so- kind of sidelined her from most of the action. And I yeah. felt like they gave more screen time to Leon and Angela, which greatly annoyed me. But my second time watching, well, not my second time, that's a lie, but because I watched it when I first got it, the, the one day I got it, I like watched it over again, just that whole day. Um, so I did mean to say second time when I rewatched it recently, mm-hmm. I kind of appreciated what they did a little bit more because Claire did get a lot of screen time. I feel like it just didn't seem that way to me because I was so bitter that they sidelined her from a lot of the action. <clears throat> Well, one, she gets, like, the best action scene in the entire f- Oh, I'm sorry. That's all the right. Entire, <laughs> the entire film. Um, where she saves Ronnie and Leon throws her the gun and she kicks a zombie in the head and, like, spins around shooting him. It's, it's so great. That scene's amazing. Um, it almost makes up for the fact that she's not in a lot of the rest of the action. But it's kind of interesting to see her in a... I don't know what word I'm looking for here. Just outside of all of that, I mm. guess. Like, because in Resident Evil 2, she got a lot of action, obviously. And then Code Veronica, they really stepped it up a notch. And she got a lot of, like, over-the-top action scenes. So even though she has her one main pretty badass action sequence in Degeneration, it is kind of interesting to see her in more of a casual, maybe that's a better word, a casual setting. Um I, I think they did her personality perfectly. I think Allison did such a great job portraying it. Um, I really, really loved Leon and Claire's friendship in this. Mm-hmm. I, like, this is where I'll think about it and I'll get, like, stupidly emotional because I just get stupidly emotional over these characters. But this scene where she's beating herself up because she blames Terrace for, you know, them not getting the vaccination and blah, blah, blah because of the Will Pharma stuff. And Leon goes to comfort her. It's just such a, it's so nice. Like, I don't get, I don't want the shippers to be hating me. Like, I'm friends with Cleon shippers. I don't want them to comfort me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I don't see it. Like, I, I feel like that whole movie just has such strong vibes for their friendship. Like, mm-hmm. I don't get any romantic undertones in that scene where he is comforting her. Like that seems like genuine, pure hearted friendship. I I love it. And then at the end of the film where she is like teasing him about going diving with Angela, like that just comes off to me, like friends teasing friends that have a crush on somebody or wanting information about how your date went or something like people act like she's jealous in that scene. I'm like, I don't, 
get any kind of indication that it's jealousy at all whatsoever. It comes off very playful. Like you're poking fun at your friend. You're curious. You want to know more. Like I, I love how their friendship was portrayed in that movie. I wish they had more scenes together, but they did have some really great scenes together where you can see like the compassion that they have for each other, but it just, there's no romantic undertones there's just none and like i like that though because a lot of times people like act like a guy and a girl can't just be friends and even though claire and leon are both very flirtatious characters i think especially in degeneration their friendship is just portrayed so well and that's probably my favorite thing about the film Mm -hmm. um besides just claire overall and they have that scene right at the end of the film <clears throat> sorry they had the final conversation between claire and leon where they very much talk about sort of the divide that i mentioned there where you know fighter and protector and mm-hmm. they all go their separate ways and that actually kind of pervades through the film as well in fact sort of it's almost why they are separated um to begin with and go and do their own sort of things to towards the same goal um so I guess that's sort of where they were leaning into that and uh, and then it comes back together at the end and they have that conversation. Yeah. Um, two friends that are fighting for the same goal in totally different ways, which also, funnily enough, brings me to my favourite line of the film. Um, just another great example of them hitting all of um, Claire's strong personality traits. It might be cheap that they throw in a child at the beginning for her to be protective <laughs> of, but, you know, um, they did that. And uh, But more than anything, stuff like her morality, um, she says to Angela about her brother Curtis that his actions may have been bad but we're all fighting for a brighter future which is right just the most Claire Redfield thing to say <laughs> yeah Steve how did you feel about uh Claire Redfield in Degeneration best outfit <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a good one yeah I like it uh, but no, as a, as, a, as a whole I actually think she's gone from being the big sister to the cool auntie and <laughs> that, that sounds weird right it's a metaphor but I think you understand what I mean Obviously, as you said, protector. Um, mm-hmm. She's the one who gathers everyone around and gets the survivors to safety before Leon comes in and shoots things up. You know, even then, still manages to hold her own by being thrown a handgun at the best moment. It does a uh, a callback to Veronica almost with over the top action twelves and stuff. Yeah, that's the nature of the film. Yeah, and then there's like all the all the conversations she has, like with you know uh, Discount Wesker, Frederick Downing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and like. No, no, no. Drink tea. He has a name. It's Al Brit Wesker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, I love it because she has such a uh, energy to her. And I, not to be harsh on Degeneration, but even though I love Paul Mercier as mm. Leon, I would say a lot of the vocal performances in this are a little flat. But not for Claire and Alison. I would uh, like, this is why I wanted to wait until we got here because I actually kind of feel. A controversial take it may or may not be. I think this is my favorite time she's voiced the character. Wow! Like the actual energy. Really good in degeneration. Yeah, the energy, the uh, you know, all the little cute little winks and stuff, and then she's like the sarcasm that bleeds through when she's handed a literal umbrella logo umbrella to defend herself (laughs) against zombies. You know, uh, and then you've got obviously the protector side. She's trying to look after Rani. Like the entire reason she's there, I think, is just to to take her to her mum, isn't it, or something like that. Yeah. Um, her aunt. Uh, yeah, her aunt, sorry. Um, and yet again, I think we're probably going to touch on this a little bit, but Claire is the one survivor out of all of the pivotal four that never opts to go into these situations. 
they happen around her, <laughs> and she she bosses it. Like you know, mm. she uh, goes to Raccoon City. There's an apocalypse happening. Oh dear! Uh, she gets kidnapped by Umbrella. Albert Wesker attacks. Uh, she's in an airport, just taking a child to their uh, caregiver. And oh, there's a terrorist attack. And when we get to Revelations too, oh great, she gets kidnapped. She never she never like signs up for this. She doesn't go to Spain to find the president's daughter. She doesn't go to Africa. She doesn't go on a boat in the middle of nowhere. You know, she's she survives these things as she gets thrown at him. She doesn't volunteer, but she still steps up. Um, well and that's part and, of what makes her so great. Yeah, and in this film, I think she excels despite the fact she's not really the combat specialist of the film. She does like she takes like for example, she takes Downing to task. She mm. even has like that really strangely calmly unnerving scene when they're in the lab and she's just drinking tea, which is also one of the best <laughs> gifts you'll ever see on the internet. Uh, along with that one wink, the elevator. Mm. It's weird. I, I, even though I've just watched the film again, I'm still picturing the gifts everyone shares of this one film more than I am <laughs> the film itself. Uh, but no, the Claire in this, uh, she's cool. Like. I feel like I'm just treading over what everyone else has already said, but yeah, she doesn't do much. She just protects the group, and then, but it's just so well done. Yeah, which is in comparison to some really big name voice actors not doing their best, which is probably another talk from the time about degeneration in itself. Right, she's we'll, we'll get there the film. one day. Yeah, but no, I think yeah, you actually hit some fine points. Definitely, yeah, she's got the most energy she really shines in this and the downing bit that you mentioned with the tea and he gets that suspicious phone call and immediately she's straight in there cuts right to the show he's like what was that about that didn't that didn't that seemed weird what's going on you know she's uh she's been through this before you know so uh she got the question was he low-key flirting with her and trying to like you know just uh get in her good books or something i don't know Trying to be the friendly, the friendly English guy, when it turns out he's the evil English guy. Which is, yeah, I mean, if you're in a film and you've got an English accent, oh, big surprise, you're the bad guy, so. <laughs> also, I love, I love when he, like, spills the beans to her, quote unquote, and she immediately is like, I gotta go tell Leon, and he's like, well, what's gonna happen to me? Like, <laughs> he didn't really seem to worry about that a second ago and just continues to call Leon. I just love it. And then, That's like it. you um, mentioned about Rodrigo and Co-Veronica, you know, captured her pal, mm. and she still goes and gets him hemostat medicine and takes it to him and is concerned. The senator is a piece of shit this entire film. And <laughs> Claire goes back to help him twice, that at least coming yeah. to the top of my head twice, um, even though we know he's a scumball. So, like, she's just so awesome. I just love her. Like, it's in her nature to care for people and to protect people. And it's just so great. And they do a good job showing that in this. Cool. Uh, Steve, any final thoughts? Uh, honestly, generation in itself is a, a weird creature. But Claire is the strongest, despite not being, quote unquote, the protagonist. She's like, the, what's, the, what's the term they use when they're not the lead, but like important? Due to protagonist, however you pronounce it. Um, you know, they are the strongest character in the film. Uh, even though, is it? Oh, I watched the film yesterday, and I can't remember Leon's sidekicks, Angela Miller. Angela. Yes. Yeah, even though she's like meant to be the second character of the film, Claire naturally steals the show every scene she's in, mm. uh, which mm -hmm. is appropriate. That takes no effort for Claire to do. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, you're right. Um, it's okay. Weird. 
So let's 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 tie this up. Um, so that is the last Alison Court appearance um, in terms of the ones we're talking about. Following that, she would reprise the role a few more times for uh, Dark Side Chronicles, uh, Mercenaries 3D, and Operation Raccoon City. But this is the last time that she appeared in a major story or a non-retelling. Um, and then we move on to the most recent canonical appearance of Claire. But oh, before boy. we get there, yeah, I know, right? Um, <laughs> over the next few years, Claire still travelled the globe working with TerraSave, aiding the ever-increasing numbers of bioterrorism victims. TerraSave even hosted the BSAA Alpha team at their headquarters, and she became acquainted with Piers Nivens, who fished for her, who fished for old stories regarding her brother. From that point on, they kept in touch via email. In 2011, Moira Burton joins the organisation and a party is held to welcome her and other new employees, but this gathering is raided by a team of mercenaries working for Alex Wesker, and several individuals, including Claire and Moira, are incapacitated and transported to an island in the Baltic Sea. This is the setting of Resident Evil Revelations 2. Uh, this is the first time that Alison Court didn't play Claire. Uh, she's performed by an actress who, as far as I'm aware, still just goes under a pseudonym of James Baker. I don't think there's been a reveal. And, there uh, hasn't. I right. try to figure it out. And <laughs> I think, funnily enough, how he kicked off the news and the way that Resident Evil fans can be, sadly, that might be for the best. This game was met with fan outcry in terms of uh, Claire Redfield with not... Uh, having Alison Court in that role. Capcom's defence was that Alison Court sounds too young for the older and more mature Claire Redfield, and we didn't want to confuse gamers when hearing her voice alongside the young Moira Burton. <laughs> Insert whatever your reaction is here. This what is... a strange thing to be praised for. You sound too young. You sound <laughs> too young to play yeah. this character now. Um, I guess, I guess, I, I don't know. Claire is, I don't know, in her 40s here, I think, maybe? Maybe late thirties. I don't know. It's a She's weird situation. Thirty-two in oh, okay. Wow. Okay, I was well off. Um, like, and she was her. twenty-six in Degeneration. Nice. <laughs> Here comes the <laughs> trivia machine. Uh, so let's let's talk about the maybe the voice actress performance before we actually get into the character portrayal. I guess I guess it's quite controversial. Uh, Steve, what did you think of Claire's performance? Or the performance of Claire, I should say, by James Baker in Revelations 2. Honestly, like now, now the dust has settled. Mm. Um, as a bronze medal, it's okay. Uh, you know, of the three voice actresses, bronze medal, obviously, unfortunately, like it, it's it's adequate. I would say there are definitely good good moments of emotional range. Uh, but overall, yeah, for me, the weakest. Uh, like, not bad. Mm -hmm. And uh, and arguably stronger than some other vocal performances, especially uh, when it comes to the Revelation side games. But still, uh, the the weakest clear for me, personally. Yeah, I think I would agree. Um, I don't really have any qualms with it, but someone has to be third place, really. Um, what it didn't really phase me at the time. It doesn't really phase me now, but it's it's weird, isn't it? I think, and it's, yeah. most, it's mostly just be weird because Allison played. Claire for so long with no recast up until this point, whereas every, I, I, every I still, other main character had been played by multiple people. So, not not to get into the argument and not to besmirch uh, James Baker's name, right? But the the argument that Alison can't do an older Claire voice seems peculiar because having seen how she talks on Twitter and converses with people and like in video and things, she would be fine. At least, uh, you know, my my totally biased opinion 
Um, so it's, it's a shame she was recast. And for, uh, for what they did and what they could do, James Baker doesn't deserve any flack. That's all yeah. Capcom. I mean. yeah. uh, but again, still bronze medal. And it's a shame, I suppose. It's a weird one, right? It's hard for her to compete with the other voices that we've yeah. had at yes, this point, too. Yes, exactly, yeah. Allison did such a good job, and then Stephanie did such a good job. So it's not that James Baker did a bad job. It's just when you compare mm-hmm. her to the other voices, the bronze is what you get. But, I mean, yeah. I, I still liked her, too. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that, 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 yeah, to clarify, I don't hate their performance. I just uh, I think it's... Like bronze is still better than not getting a medal at all. <laughs> exactly. This is true. This is certainly yeah, true. It's not. It's not a medal made of tin. <laughs> <laughs> I just. I wonder. I guess they didn't approach Allison at all. Is that right? I don't know if that's the case. But I mean, she's an actor, so she could probably change her voice. Anyway, that's not the point. We got what we got. There isn't necessarily anything wrong with it. I agree with you guys. I just. I find the situation very strange. Like you say, the excuse is very odd, but. Nonetheless, it is what it is. Um, so this is Claire returning to the protagonist role for the first time in a video game since Code Veronica. Quite a lot of time passed. Um, and it's it was a fan demand thing. Or, or rather, the writer of the game brought her back because he was a fan of her, I should say. Um, there was mm-hmm. talk that she was going to be DLC at one point for Resident Evil 6, but that never actually panned out. So they decided to make her one of the leads in this game alongside Barry that we've already talked about, obviously. So it's going to be fun to talk about the other side of the game. Um, I Right, so here's the thing. I played this game uh, when it came out, and I didn't really touch it since, to be honest. Not I, I, actually, I really liked this game. I just hadn't gone back to it until the beginning of this year. Um, so I played it for the first few months of the year and in preparation for this podcast which we're now recording in august for people listening from the future um i had to re-watch the cutscenes because it's not a character that stood out the most to me in this game i have to say i don't think they do too much with her the focus is more on the other three of the four main characters and i think that's okay i'm okay with that you know you have to give other people the time to shine in terms of the broad resident evil canon of characters barry's back in this game you know people wanted a playable barry for a long time so that's fine and we've got yeah it definitely was more of a burton game it is a burton yes exactly yeah it's a burton game and we get two new characters who hopefully we'll see them again and hopefully they'll have some greater importance as well but it's nice to let them shine it's always nice when we've got new characters coming in um even as a massive claire fan i was um, i wasn't overly disappointed that she wasn't in the spotlight that has to be said um, Steve, did you feel the same way about this one? Yeah, and the, yeah, the, the, yeah. Despite the fact that she, uh, you know, she has some actually really good moments. I don't. There's there's arguments about localization, I believe, with some of this, but yes. she has some really oh. good moments in this. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, but like, despite being, shall we say, the most ancillary to the plot, she still yeah. does like have some really good moments. I would argue there's there's one scene that rubs me the wrong way, uh, and this is the, probably the one time I want to complain about Claire Redfield in a scene. Right when they first encounter Natalia, and uh, properly, right when they actually talk to her, she's acting very not like Claire would do, in my opinion. Like Moira takes up what Claire would do. She, it's almost like in this one scene, Claire doesn't really seem to be focusing too much on the child's well-being, and instead Moira is channeling re to Claire and worrying about Natalia's well-being. 
uh, to the point where Claire's almost aloof with it. That's the only real time I've got a complaint. Otherwise, she's fairly strong. And like the the bits involving, I mean, Hope's probably going to be the one championing this bit the most, but the stuff like involving Neil, like I felt for her. The vocal performance there was very strong. Like localization so or no. You said that. I'm you know? so glad that you actually felt for her. Like, yeah, like localization or no. She's um, that scene where she's crying and she's upset about how this person who she's clearly very attached to, um, wh- whether the, I know there, is it like in the Japanese version, they're just co-workers and in the uh, English localization, that is implied a relationship. Either way, she's attached to, attached to them and is broken by the fact that he has betrayed her. Um, and you can tell she's hurt by it. Obviously, she soldiers on after this and just wants to get the overseer uh, mm-hmm. in uh, chapter four. But until then... She's not in the best state, and it shows. And I kind of like that she's vulnerable. It's a side you don't see very often of Claire herself. Yes. I uh, I agree with the points that you make about Natalia, definitely. Uh, he's, a, he's a little bit odd, but, again, it kind of allows Claire to do something different, play a different role. Um, Moira demonstrates sort of more what Claire would traditionally do, so it allows Claire to focus on some other things, looking out for someone who isn't a child for once, <laughs> which is <laughs> nice. Deposit something, deposit something, and this is going to sound really weird. Go for it. I, I, big Moira Byrne fan. Big Moira yeah. Byrne fan. Uh, I kind of feel like she's almost proto-remake to Claire in this, in a way. You know, she's sassy. <laughs> you know, she's very sassy, very yeah. foul mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also hates Barry Burton because <laughs> she has to have a, a thing. Um so yeah, I yeah, that's a really I, good point. Huh. It feels like RE2 Claire is here as well as as Revelations 2 Claire, just with a different name. Uh, not not to dismerch, you know, not to besmirch Moira in herself, because you know, through like the struggle and a few extra bits, she's definitely her own character as well. There's just definitely a lot of RE2 Claire in her DNA, so to speak, mm. her, her design. Um, yeah, I think we're supposed to see how much of an influence Claire had on her since they were friends for so long too. Yeah, yeah uh, that, this is where it's established that she's known the Byrne family, isn't it? Because until then, we didn't know that Claire even knew anyone right. outside of, you know, we've never seen her on screen with Jill, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't really have many much insight into what Terrasave has been doing. So we wouldn't, yeah, we don't know who they've been working with and who she would have met. So, yeah, this is where a lot of that comes in into this game. Yeah. Um, so in terms of Neil, um, I would agree. I think that that moment that they have later on um, makes complete sense to me. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of stuff that Hope was sweetening the other week, actually. <laughs> um, so when you actually put it into the context of everything, we have, like I just say, we don't know too much about what Terrace has been doing. We've just been aware of them. Um, and looking back on one reason why I gave all these sort of like paragraphs of information at this point, Claire has been with the company for 13 years. We don't know how long Neil has been there or how long they've worked together, but you could assume it's anywhere up to 13 years. It's so, about in between seven or eight. I did the right, math, okay. at least from us knowing um, when he was, uh, I can't pronounce the city. The oh, Terry Yes, yeah. thank yeah. you. Right. So, and okay, seven or eight years. in degeneration in 2005. So it's been at least seven or ah. eight years they've known each other. That's, that is a long time. Yeah. Um, so when someone does what Neil does and sells out the company for reasons that he's justified to himself, um, yeah, that's going to emotionally affect you. Um, 
you know, Clara's put a lot of stock into TerraSave over those years, you know. Um, and we were talking about degeneration, fighter versus protector. To me, TerraSave and what they do kind of represents all of Claire's hard work for peace against bioterrorism. So to have someone that she relies on within that company, someone that she's worked with all this time, uh, yeah, it makes sense for her to be, for her focus to be on that to me. Um, again, I just, <laughs> I feel like I parroted a bunch of Hope's opinions that she tweeted about the other week. I apologise. But it's okay. <laughs> I completely agree. I know you've probably got plenty to say anyway. I'm just anyway. trying to stay quiet so I don't want to too much because I've got a lot to say. We'll let you off the leash in a minute. Um, yeah. So before I do that, though, Steve, what do you think of this particular, perhaps uh, controversial line, which isn't in the Japanese script, when Claire picks up a gun for the first time and she says, it's more reliable than any person. Uh, it's code, it, it's uh, a code Veronica reference. It's neat. Do you think it represents her character? Uh, see, this is the thing, isn't it? I feel like Claire's going through a lot of turmoil in this game. Yeah. Uh and me personally, I feel like the Claire from Co Veronica disagreed with that statement like from right. when Steve said it, which is why maybe I can see why some folks would be controversial with it. Like, because it sounds like Claire's obviously took the, uh, she's now now agreeing with Steve. I mean, she's clearly gone through some stuff, you know, if, she, if she's come that far that That's she now agrees notes. with the content. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 a bit of a, it's a character reversal, but at the same token, I can understand why. If it had happened after, if this sequence had happened after Neil's betrayal, that I can see a lot more, you know, it resonate a bit more strongly, I think, for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was supposed to be a little foreshadow. Yeah, yeah, because it's Neil's gun, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. No, wait, no, 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 no. It's um, it's the first gun, isn't it, where she says that? Yeah, it's yeah, the first gun she picks gun. up. But yeah, I think mm. it is meant to be foreshadowing. And I, I, yeah, I agree. I think it's because she's seen some stuff. You know, she's been mm. like, say, terror safe mm. all these years been on the front lines of helping people who have been affected by this stuff. So she's been through the wars. Um, mm. She does a lot of like, she's a bit more battle hardened in this game. She takes charge even over her, you know, her superior officer, Neil, who says yes at one point that they wait till dawn before they climb the overseer's tower. She goes, well, no, we're going to go right now just in case, you know, anything can happen. So See, that feels like classic Claire to me, mm. that kind yeah. of behavior there. That, that, that bit does. Yeah, um, for sure. It's, I feel like we're missing some pieces of the puzzle, you know? Yes. Um, yeah, there's some interquills here you could potentially have, right? Yeah, I, 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 that's the thing. I haven't... Is it Heavenly Island? Is it set before or after this? I haven't actually read after. this yet. After. I haven't okay. read it yet either, but it's a couple years after. Okay, so the Claire and that could be totally different again. Um, yeah. I would like to know what has changed in Claire's mindset. Obviously, the death of Steve has clearly affected her. I, yeah, um, I was going to say, I think they wanted the player to know that Steve's still on her mind. Mm -hmm. Like, people might argue against that, too, but... I mean, I've seen a reason against it, because, you know, I, again, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Steve Burnside, but he is like, there's a hanging loose, there is a hanging <laughs> loose thread. There is a hanging loose thread there regarding whether it's just his corpse or whatever, you know? Uh, which I think we would like closure on at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Claire, right. Claire if, if Claire is affected by it, she clearly seeks it as well. Exactly. Uh, so here we go. The question, the question that we've led up to this entire time. Uh, Hope, how do you feel about Revelations 2 and its betrayal of Claire? Okay. So let me try to get my thoughts together. Let me think of where I want to start. Um, <laughs> so I, a current, or not current, um, something people typically to complain about is how she doesn't show enough emotion in the game 
And like people often say like, oh, it's supposed to be maturity, but you know, I'm not buying into that. Like I still expect more flair. Well, they don't even think that like, she's got to be suppressing a lot of her emotion in this game. One, because they're literally injected with a virus that responds to emotional turmoil, especially (laughs) fear. So it could kill her if she got too emotional. And then two, I think it's a lot of her trying to stay strong for Moira because you've got Moira freaking out. And like, if Claire was also giving into any of her emotions on the surface, that's just going to stress Moira out Mm -hmm. even more. So I feel like she's suppressing stuff for a lot of reason there. And then there was also an interview before Revelations 2 came out where they were talking about how Claire is internalizing a lot of things and that a lot of stuff going on with her is underneath the surface. So I think that's something like a lot of players don't think too much about. But me being obsessed with Claire and the way that I am, I'm always trying to look at her like on a deeper level. Um, I feel like a lot of her core personality traits again are still there she's shown to be very protective especially over moira um she's shown to be determined she's sassy in that game she freaking sasses alex every time she talks to them on the bracelet she even makes some silly jokes like we get the claire sandwich line like she's still her like Mm -hmm. basically like i think again like you guys were talking about um voice actor like i think it's a lot to do with the voice change and to me, there were a lot of moments that I really liked with the new voice actress. Um, I feel like she channels a lot of similar energy to how Allison portrayed Claire in the original Resident Evil 2, um, where she's got a lot of that dry sarcasm and stuff going on, a lot of that nonchalantness. I can see that in Revelations to Claire. And I like how Claire's ability to love is usually like a core part of her character strengths. Mm. But in Revelations 2, it's kind of depicted as a flaw. And I think that's really interesting, but a lot of people seem to just get angry about it instead of appreciating it. All well-rounded characters need flaws, and I think this was really fitting for Claire. It um, gave her more depth, and it was also kind of endearing. I think it was really obvious she was blinded by love in regards to Neil, and I like thought that was so cute, thought it was so sad. It frustrates me so much that... So many people, like, get mad at her, like, just, like, it it pisses them off instead of them feeling, like, any kind of, like, anguish for her, understanding what she's going through at all. Um, I feel like people can gripe about them adding more romantic undertones to her relationship with Neil in the English version, but that only added something to the story it didn't really take anything away it didn't really change much because i think those romantic undertones undertones were clearly displayed in the cutscenes between them mm-hmm. and a lot of people choose to be ignorant of that like some of the dialogue or voice acting that i really enjoy is when she's interacting with neil in the opening sequence that seems very flirtatious to me i don't know how people don't see it that way but I've watched it a million times. I've taken screenshots. <laughs> there are specific mannerisms. I think it comes off very flirtatious. If you don't want to see it as flirtatious, they're obviously very close to each other. Um, I think it's incredibly annoying when people get mad at Claire for caring about Neil when they knew each other for so long prior to Revelations 2. Like we just talked about it being around seven to eight years. I'm really good at math. I think it was closer to eight. I want to go with eight. Um, but it like, it was a long time 
regardless, um, I feel like a lot of people project their feelings onto Claire because they have current knowledge from playing the game that he's basically a villain. But right. Claire and the rest of Terry Save loved and respected him for all these years. So he must have been a pretty cool character in their eyes. And a lot of us just didn't really get to experience that because the game didn't give us a lot of content with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, I don't think that makes her out of character at all. I think it's perfectly in character for her to act the way she did in regards to someone she knew for years and clearly had a lot of feelings for. Like, I kind of understand what they were going for where... Claire comes across as like she's not thinking that much about Natalia because she's worrying so much about Neil. Um, I I do wish they've had her vocalize a little bit more concern for Natalia, at least um, when Moira called her out on it. Yeah. But like I can see and respect what they were trying to accomplish with this because we've already seen how good Claire can be with children. So I think showing her unintentionally prioritizing Neil was supposed to make it blatantly obvious how important he was to her whether or not you're playing the english version or not like from my understanding she still doesn't have much to say about natalia in the original version either and i think that's a lot of what's going on under her surface level where maybe she doesn't vocalize it as much in the original but those cutscenes are still there so it's clear that she's still worrying about neil and i think the english version just made that more obvious for people so they would get it but people still don't want to accept it for what it is um so i don't think that it was that she didn't care about natalia i think that she was just impulsively worrying sick about somebody else that she was really close to and i feel like the situation was probably also triggering the memories she had of not being able to get to steve in time to save him mm-hmm. and then um going back to the claire and natalia thing you know people always talk about how great claire is with kids um, because of her relationship with Sherry and then later Ronnie. But I don't think it's like as black and white as people make it out to be. Like her compassion and her bravery is what makes her come that way. And of course, you know, her nurturing side that she's shown to mm. everybody that she's come in contact with. Whether they're a good guy or a bad guy. Um, she's always been shown as somebody who wants to help others. She's instinctively nurturing. She's very protective over the people she cares about, even strangers. But despite this, in the original Resident Evil 2, she's constantly losing track of Sherry, which is all reflected in Degeneration when she loses track of Ronnie in the very beginning when all the chaos is unfolding. Um, and when she first meets Sherry, like, there's this tug-of-war scene between them where she's holding Sherry's arm and, like, practically pulling it out of its socket, trying to get her to stay. So, like, while she's no doubt great with kids, there's also part of her that's sort of kind of bad with kids too we can go back to um that comment she makes in the remake of resident evil 2 that everybody's like what is this dumb shit she's saying about comparing her dead parents to sherry not having her parents around a lot nobody likes that comment but in that moment you know claire is trying to relate to sherry and she's trying to make something bad seem good it didn't come off very well, but that's kind of realistic. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's something that people do a lot. Like, they've got this idea in their head. They're like, that's going to sound comes out. And it's like, hmm, that wasn't the way that it seemed in my head. So, like, it's kind of realistic. And it kind of just ties into that little bit of terribleness she has with handling kids. Like, I actually think it's kind of funny that she has these moments of being really terrible with it. 
because she's got this reputation for being awesome with it. And like, she's earned that reputation. It's like the pros outweigh the cons in that situation, but it's not as black and white. It's not like, oh, she's just strictly super good with children. Like she's, <laughs> she's got this quirk to her about mm. it where like, she's not always that great. It's just like her greatness just outrides those moments where it's not, you know, not so good. Um, so like her meeting Natalia, I didn't really think it was that out of character because she's bombarding her questions, but it is out of a place of being concerned. And then she's also got all this on her mind that she's like trying to keep under wraps. So it all comes like kind of bubbling out at once. Like she sees this little girl in danger. Like, I don't know. I just try to make sense of it the best way that I can because the, it's published. It's out there. This is this character now. So now you've got to like look at her in a new light and try to understand why she does the things she does. Um, I don't I, know. I, th- I think I've covered everything. I'm not sure. I can go <laughs> on and on and on about questions too. I think that was fantastic personally. Um, yeah. Hopefully I understand a lot of where you're coming from. Definitely. I, especially with the kids stuff like, it's circumstance. You just happens to be dumped in these situations with, say, Sherry. Um, you know, she grew up an orphan, so it's very possible that she didn't have any experience with kids before she had to deal with the Sherry situation and so right. on and so forth. So you would probably be pretty rubbish with them. I didn't grow up around kids, so I'm absolutely awful with children, but, you know, so I can understand that. Hopefully, this has been sort of like a soapbox for people to maybe hear your point of view on it, if nothing else. Um, it'd be interesting to see what people say in terms of a reaction. I, I know it's a very like hot topic with loads of people with loads of different opinions, um, but that was amazing. That was like 10 minutes of straight. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I still feel like I didn't say enough. I'm like, I know I missed. Well, I'm scrolling back through my 200 some counting. Welcome to the world of podcasting, how, which unfortunately <laughs> does have to come to an end at some point. <laughs> so I'm going to lead us now to the final, the big question. We talked about it early on. Got to get some answers in. Favourite Claire Redfield uh, oh rendition, if you like, whatever you wish, make your choice. It doesn't have to be written in stone, but after all this discussion, how does everybody feel on their favourite one? Uh, Steve, I'm going to throw it to you first. See, now this is, I've pretty much laid my cards on the table already, but, you know, despite the fact that she's not the lead, I, I really do like Alison Core as Claire in Degeneration a lot. Like mm-hmm. she pretty much makes the film watchable for me. Yeah. Um so I as much as I like RE2, like it's my favorite Resident Evil game, I, I have to give it. I have to give it where it's due. You know, and then because obviously, you know, if we're gonna go that if we're going down this route, then it's RE2 Claire, then it's Code Veronica Claire, then it's Stephanie Panicello. And then it's uh, you know James Baker, uh, you know not 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 to knock James Baker, but you know, and uh, not to discount Steph because she's like I want to see Stephanie Panicello's Claire in a Kurt Veronica Me kind of too. encounter, mm-hmm. you know, or if not that, give us a new story, you know, I, I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, I want to see I want to Steph reprise the role at least a few more times. I love the. The not obvious answer of degeneration. That's great, and I, I completely understand. <laughs> it, this it. is purely from the fact that I watched it and I got like, you know what? She's really good no, in this. Totally she right. Really That's the thing. Uh-huh. I'm, no? I'm, 
Oh, here we go. So yeah, Resident Evil 2 is my favourite game. But after this conversation, I think my favourite Claire Redfield performance, at least right now, is Code Veronica. So I laid it all out at the beginning, and I just flipped the table. <laughs> I'm going to go Code Veronica. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Code Veronica, which is great. This It feels like this whole season of the podcast is leading up to something. Don't you think? The villains episode, at the beginning of the season, Adam said he'd never finished it. And now we're having this conversation. Anyway, that's not the end of it. Anyway. Oh, right. So- <laughs> You're just musing there, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I wonder I wonder if we're going to talk about that at some point soon. And finally, uh, Hope, what is your favourite? I'm going to... Gun to your head. You have to pick something now. What, what's it going to be? Uh, gun to my head. This is really, really hard. And I don't know if I mean this or not because I really love them all. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Like, like I really, I'm trying to think that there's a gun to my head, and I'm be a second gunman. I need to. <laughs> I'll give you an answer. Give me a minute. Um, I've really, we didn't talk about it much, but like, I would maybe have to go with Dark Side Chronicles. Wow. Because nice. I love, first of all, Code Veronica and Resident Evil Two are like my favorite games, so I love that Dark Side Chronicles cap that. But there's so much dialogue in those games. I mm. love that the characters are constantly going back and forth. So there's more to appreciate. Um, so I would, I think I would have to go with Dark Side Chronicle. That's Maybe, a nice sneaky answer. I like that. It's hard. It's really hard to answer. <laughs> if not, I would uh, see. If not, I would maybe. See, Degeneration is really good. And I was thinking the same thing rewatching it recently. Like she really steals the show and has so much charisma in that but she's always got charisma so like i don't want to act like the generation's got it more so it just was a really well done um but i feel like co veronica would get the most emotional range still so if i if it wasn't dark side it would probably be co veronica i don't know because i love them all because <laughs> <laughs> there's like things i love best about each yeah play. it depends on what you're so, looking for right yeah, like personality-wise yeah. and aesthetic-wise, there's things I love about each Claire and like her hair color in Revelation. <laughs> yeah. So beautiful. Degeneration, it's so beautiful. She's got gorgeous eyes in Degeneration. I love her freckles that they give her, and I just like I could go one and one. But if I have to pick an overall Claire, it would probably be probably be Dark Side Chronicle. There you go. Oh, I made I made it happen. That's what that's what I matters. still I was sitting you... here like, is that the truth? <laughs> right. It's really not the truth because I like them all equally. It's hard. I've got a gun to my head. <laughs> I don't have to say anything to survive. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll us to the end before you have to ch- you make yourself change your own mind again. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. One way to get in touch is to email us at fasprayprod at gmail.com. But of course, the best course of action is to join our Discord server, where you can discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. The link to the server is in the description of this podcast and also on our social media... Social? 
The link to the server is in the description of this podcast and also on our social media profiles. You can follow us on Twitter at FA Spray Pod, on Instagram at FA Spray Pod, and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash FA Spray Pod. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us an iTunes review if you can. It helps spread the word. And you can also support the show at patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for as little as $1 a month. Previously, we talked at length about Resident Evil's most recent first person title, Resident Evil 7. But in our next episode, we go back to the first to discuss the franchise's original spin-off, Resident Evil Survivor. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB Steve was taken. And you can also follow Hope at Hope Havoc. Finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. we did it <laughs> did you have fun yeah i i wish i was just you know more articulate with what i'm trying to say but <laughs> i guess that's one thing i have in common with there and it's <laughs> well in my totally unbiased opinion i think you did great yes um, that was a good time yeah. i think people uh, are going to really enjoy that plus you know Claire redfield is always fun to talk about right uh, and i mean like if you guys ever do an episode on Burnside, I'm <laughs> he needs a few more appearances. That's the thing. I'll just be talking about. I mean, he's been in right. Let, let's let's. I can this talk out. for two go. hours about. <laughs> if, if, if we're stretching it like as wide as we want to cast it, we've got right, go on. CV. We've got CVX. <laughs> yeah. We've got Dark Side Chronicles. Yeah, we've got Dark Side Chronicles. Code Veronica book. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can uh, I'm. I, there's got to be a radio drama or something. Right, we'll they always do one. ones about the side characters. We'll make one. It's fine. Yeah, it Resident Evil: The Beginning too. Hours about Neil too. Um, <laughs> we had like three cutscenes with him. <laughs>